Welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and my co-host, if it hadn't been for Lukey Gledall, I'd have been married a long time ago. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from, Lukey Gledall? Dr. Luke Gledall, anti-marriage evangelist. How are you doing today? <laughs> oh, that sounds even more fitting, the fact that, I guess... So, you know, I, I guess if I'm filling out any surveys, I could say that I'm divorced. Mm-hmm. I find that really funny that you say that you're divorced or you say that um, if you had a, God forbid this ever happened, if you had a spouse that died, you could say you're a widow. Mm. Um, and not really, you could just say that you're single and say that you're actually an autonomous human being. You are your own person and you can determine your own fate. So anyway, I thought it was interesting that you made me out to be some anti-marriage evangelist. <laughs> Um, well, no, sir, that, no sir, I had a marriage which did crumble and yeah. fail, which I'm no longer in when I'm divorced. Um, but I'm still a human being and still out in the world and still being a human being and that's doing good. some good stuff. And so maybe that's uh, what I can say about my general theme right now. I've got to say, I hadn't thought about the deeper, deeper implications of that. Just thought of Cotton Eye Joe and... <laughs> uh, and um, I don't remember I any like lines I've, about marriage, so... I've kicked things off on strange notes. Okay. It could have just been that you were involved in some sort of cock-blocking, potentially. You're kind of some some, some some kind of male Jolene-type figure that has, you know, stolen away loves of my life. You know, there, there, there's several takes you could have on it. Have I done um, that? Was that sorry? <laughs> Have I done that? Never mind. Anyway, sorry. Let's just abandon this. Place. Not all sorry. of these things. You, I'd say a very few of these things are factual, Luke. Do you, think it's, really? do you think it's just satire and a parody? <laughs> parody, parody, parody. Um, but um, so aside from that, uh, that odd meander, <laughs> how are you doing? Doing okay. I'm doing good. I'm, I'm very good today. Even though I guess the interesting thing is coming into um, this week, I actually... Just maybe a little bit of preamble and maybe a pre-warning for going into talking about the the news. Um, I did decide to delete the Twitter app from my phone because I thought it was just complete. Um, it was very thick in the mire of depression following the midweek game for Wednesday. Mm. And I thought still living in this limbo land of not knowing post-EFL case. I didn't really want to kind of engage in anything. So uh, Rich and I are going to kind of try to do our best to uh, to get into some breaking hoo-hoos. And I think that's a segue. That feels like one, doesn't it? It, feels... it does feel like a segue. Should we act upon the segue? Breaking hoo-hoos. Rich and I hopped on our segues and zoomed off into a merry little cavort into looking at this week of Sheffield Wednesday that we have had. Um, And what better place to talk about Sheffield Wednesday than a midweek game at home to Preston North End? Oh, Rich, would you open the topic of conversation of Sheffield Wednesday versus Preston North End? A game that we can all admit did happen midweek. I believe the the people of Preston are calling it the Stockley game due to his uh, overpowering influence on proceedings. (laughs) 
Uh, I'll have to wait and see what the DVD that comes out in the club shop is titled. You know, like a really weird thing that I'm finding with this, with this, this, there's so many strange things with the restart. I think it was the midweek games. I don't know if it was Tuesday or maybe it was Wednesday. So Middlesbrough played Millwall. I believe, and or Middlesbrough did play. Middlesbrough did play a game midweek, as all championship. It was Middlesbrough Millwall, yeah. And for crowd trouble, because even in an empty stadium, <laughs> Millwall fans can be racist and get arrested. Um. <laughs> so yeah, they played the game at three p.m. in the UK in yeah. a midweek, which I mean, people are still working. Yeah, I believe people are still working. So how much of your fan base would you alienate? By doing such a thing, or is it the fact that they don't want to have any any fans watch the game? <laughs> Do they? <laughs> is, is it is it crowd control for Twitter? Is that right? Would it basically just be like a series of trolls for Millsborough Millwall? Would just they just get online and just be uh, you know. It would start talking about how um, you know how disappointing their football teams are, and then it would just kind of stretch to um, uh, pandemic and all lives matter. Is that is that what happened? Is that why it was done at that time? I don't quite understand. I no idea. Because I I think there's a really weird thing about the fact that like because we're doing this in lockdown, I feel like I'm wondering how much of this is clubs putting on picking times like they're picking times for TV shows. Like, this is not going to kind of contradict with any other viewership. Uh, yeah, there's that. There's also just that I think I wonder how stretched some of the police forces are by this. I don't obviously it's not the same policing a empty stadium, but you, you, there's presumably some presence around or, you know, there's some aspect of protection, outside. Having to, the protection, safety having to be there. And, sure. you know, there's well, I mean, one of the things that we've seen is Wednesday and United playing together on a at home on the same night, which in the league never ever happens. Um, I think it's maybe happened occasionally due to sort of cup bits and pieces, but it's it's very rare, and, and the authorities try and avoid it wherever possible. Yeah, and the I'm, thing I kind of sorry, the thing I want to say in terms of scheduling and to the the next uh, the next segue I'll hop on after getting off the other segue. <laughs> um, maybe a little bit dizzy because it, it it takes a little bit of focus out of you. I mean, just ask, just ask George Bush. It is possible to fall off one, even though they say it isn't. Um, the next segment to jump on is the thing regarding Wednesday is I really, really dislike having to being in the position of supporting Wednesday and our team is picked for a Sunday game or our team is basically the last team to play in that round of fixtures. Yeah. It's really awful feeling behind of everything else. And it feels like a, ja- a massive disadvantage. So weirdly, we played on the Wednesday at 7.45, thanks to playing the Sunday, I imagine, because of TV reasons. And we were the only game on at 7.45 because the other clubs, you know, Middlesbrough played at 3 p.m., which was just insane. Other teams playing at 5 p.m., which feels a bit more kind of legitimate. We've had a bit more, you know, technically people just need to get to, you know, a computer or a radio however they want to kind of follow proceedings there's no actual you know travel to anywhere so it doesn't really kind of impede anything on that regards but it just felt incredibly weird it felt like a very kind of bad do you want to know yeah do you want to know why i've I've looked it up i'm on the sun website which is really it's awful to be here but there we are um a logistical move agreed by the clubs and the FA in an attempt to minimise travel disruption for Borough and avoid them making the long journey back to the northeast on a Wednesday night. 
Right. Okay. Well, that feels a little bit better. But I mean, still, you're. I don't know. It's still weird, isn't it? No. Te- do other teams ever play like a midweek game and then just think we'll just stay over? I think lots of different things have been tried. I, I mean, it, interestingly, sort of early in this pandemic, uh, Arsenal sent a side to Man City that flew up on the day of the game uh, to mm. try and you know try a different th- way of working it. Mm. Uh, they got they got pretty roundly tonked, but whether that was to do with their travel arrangements, I don't know. Or uh, just the fact they're Arsenal, essentially. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, it seems a strange one. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, everything's kind of weirdly immaterial for me because I, you know, I live on other side of Glory. How much, how much further is Bristol City to Hull? And they played at the normal time. Wigan and QPR. Do you know what I mean? It's like... It's not quite, it's not quite Plymouth Newcastle, though, is it? No, but neither is Millwall Middlesbrough. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're going to go into a rousing, um, a rousing rendition of uh, Rotterdam by the beautiful South. <laughs> anyway, so th- that felt like a Birmingham or Hull. Yeah, <laughs> but that, you're probably talking. The difference there is probably Millwall to Borough is like five hours going on six. And Wigan QPR is probably about five hours as well, but maybe at the lower end of five. Do you know what I mean? Like, for the sake of an hour, they've moved the game mm. four hours. Mm. It just seems a little a little strange that that was allowed to happen. Yeah. Very weird. And potentially quite an important fixture um, to be moved on as well. Because for, for, for I had the weird thing of thinking, oh, this, you know, I've had these moments of thinking, like Huddersfield Luton was yesterday, and I thought, oh, I, I was off yesterday. I was like, I might as well just see if I can watch that. That could be just maybe I could just comfort myself with watching two kind of abject teams. And and again, it's it's not. It's just it, it's just arbitrary times now or the scheduling. route. Maybe that's it. You know, it's that kind of weird thing again. So but that's that's a, a kind of bizarre Pavlovian reaction that I'm coming out with that, like, I'm seeing a game that's on at a wacky time. It must be because of TV. Mm. And actually, in this case, it wasn't. Yeah, it's just strange. So It has been interesting to see, because I've definitely been conscious with bits of the lockdown and things like that, how certain voices in the football community are kind of giving the, the sky party line on things. So, like somebody like Gary Neville is quite a now quite a respected voice and pundit within football. But you also have to remember where his bread is buttered. And like some of the opinions he comes out with are very sensible. And you know he was very forthright about how the you know football should only come back if if like it makes sense on the, on the safety side of things and things like that. And he, I think he pushed back against some of the early timelines. But one of the things I've noticed those Sky voices saying is how how good it is to have all the Premier League games available to watch, um, how they do that in Spain anyway, and things like So this whole idea that, as you say, the perplexing thing of we play it, one team plays on a Thursday, the other team plays on a Tuesday, and they're all playing in the same game week and trying to keep track of what's game week 12 and what's game week 13, there, there's definitely a push from a very powerful voice within football in Sky to try and encourage that to happen, that they would like more matches that they could show in the UK, I'm sure. Um, It's just, yeah, so so I've I've heard Jamie Carragher saying the same sort of things, and and both of those guys are, as I say, well-respected, but they are... Under the the employment of Sky Sports. Sports. Yeah, yeah, they're very much saying what 
what Sky would love you to think out of this period of time as well. Mm. Um, all this is distracting from the fact that Sheffield Wednesday played Preston. It's weird how little being at home or away seems to matter during yes. this period of time. No, it's true. That, that is something that's very interesting to say. Just from a, I don't know, from an emotional point of view, it doesn't feel like it's as important that this was a home game and today was an away game. It just doesn't. No, it has no bearing. But yeah. then, but then, you know, as I don't know, it's, it's, it's we've been so abject at home, haven't we? We have. Well, terrible. I mean, absolutely terrible. It's it's one of our worst seasons ever at home in terms of points and goals scored. Um, and I mean, yeah, interesting. Just, yeah, like you said, I think we've probably had less goals scored under you know the defensive uh, the defensive outlook of Stuart Gray, but then we had a lot more kind of points. Yes, definitely. We had a lot more clean sheets, and I mean, this is uh, today's game. Our first clean sheet in seven, seven games, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. Which is just kind of astonishing. Well, it's so strange because it's gone from being our biggest strength. I mean, that was the that was the thing with Carlos. We played attacking, flowing football, and we were generally wanting to be the you know the team you know holding the hammer and 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 you know taking things forward. But our defense, we were record breaking or record equaling in in how many clean sheets we kept. Uh, and then that seems to be the thing that has deteriorated so much quicker than every other part of our game is 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 our defending and our, our keeping of clean sheets. It's really mm. sort of staggering how. But then weirdly, didn't we get close to that record? The we the season that was half uh, Lehukai and half Bruce. Didn't we get within sort of spitting distance of that record again? We did, but again, that was. Um, I mean, that was the thing really about the Lukai era was that that really should have been one of his calling cards, really. Yeah. And I guess the interesting thing was the beginning of that Luke era. I mean, we did have that end of the season where he, t- you know, he kind of rescued things from, you know, the sacking of Carvajal. And it looked like we'd been shored up, didn't we? That's that's what it looked it like. It did, it did. But also we had that kind of, <clears throat> it was also that kind of weird kind of source of, you know, when we looked at the Stuart Gray, um, you know, Leeds game, it was one of those kind of, there was a lot of strange kind of games where we we seem to be look quite attacking and quite rampant mm. and i mean there was also the weird kind of timing of there's a real rejuvenation of uh Jow and new you up front who are looking like yes yeah you know for some reason looking like some in incredible um you know bargain crate digging partnership that we found <laughs> amidst you know admits basically them being kind of really two of two of the lesser strikers at the club i would we, say i would we, say worst but you know lesser i'd definitely say we'd won the prize in striking splunk um the, it, <laughs> yeah that i mean it, that was strange but i think one of the things that's really marked this the poor form since christmas is just being it's just letting in multiples of goals it's Yes. I've not been used to so we've kind of had five or six years of really not being used to watching a team completely crumble and let in three or four you know two no. three four goals at yeah. times uh when we were at time, we've been beating five nil a couple of times this season as well um so that's been the thing I think that's been really hard to take and and as we keep touching on monk is you know, was a defender, so you'd think his strong suit would be at, very, at the very least kind of a bit of hard bitten organization and solidity. But it just 
whether it's individuals or or who knows what it just seems that we just seem to have these moments where we fold and it, it potentially we could have had obviously we won the game today but we kind of had a 10 minute period where it really felt like if QPR had scored we could have easily been clinging on at the end of the game and it, you know, to Carlos's tactical periodization thing sort of comes to mind at times, but it feels like that that those sort of riding out periods. You're ne- you're never going to run the game for ninety minutes. We're, it's a competitive level of football. Everyone says about the championship, everyone can beat everyone, which means even if you're playing the lowest of, you know, you're playing Barnsley, they're going to have some minutes in the game where they look a decent side and they can probably punish you if you let them. Uh, but what did you... Um, so Preston, the Preston game was marked by a couple of key absentees, really. Um, mm. We we obviously we took Kieran Lee off at half time in the previous game and he he was nowhere to be seen. Uh, Joey Pelopesi made the start and almost immediately get, got himself a yellow. Um, and again, and then Wickham was another person that was completely missing. Yes, Atty Nuiu replaced him in the starting lineup, and by and large did an okay job. I thought him. There were moments him and De Cruz looked like an an okay partnership, but yeah. <laughs> but we really looked weak at the back. There was lots and lots of chances for, for for Preston. So even though nothing happened in the way of goals in the in the first half, we were pretty lucky. At, we had a period of about ten minutes towards the end of the half where we looked semi decent, but they were pretty unlucky to to come away without having scored i think yes we lived a very charmed life in that first half we really did it um was miraculous that we did really concede in that first half and then somehow we did manage to be we did manage to score first in the game um, mm. a pretty d- nice tidy finish for, from murphy I, I think we we do see i mean we see it today today to an extent although obviously less less painfully but we are seeing having this very small group of players now there's mu- games are turning on those substitutions. The fact you can make kind of two, three substitutions and still have one or two in your in your hand uh, mm-hmm. is is having an effect on lots of games, and it's putting us at a disadvantage because generally our eleven on the pitch are far and away the best eleven we've got available, and almost everybody else is is a drop off from that that high point, whether it's due to the player, the personnel themselves, or whether it's due to sort of fitness levels and things like that. So Murphy, who's been generally one of the brightest sparks of this new formation, just ran out of steam and was replaced by Moses Adebayo. And lo and behold, everything just seemed to start falling apart. (laughs) It wasn't his fault. Adebayo wasn't personally involved in too many moments of it, but it... I think losing the threat of Murphy was 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 painful for us. The quality of Murphy, um, but the big the biggest change was they brought on Jaden Stockley, and I just thought I offer had a terrible terrible time managing the big man. Um, I'm struggling for what else to say other than it was just <laughs> it was, it was abject is a good word that kind of sums it up. What really. worries me is most teams will have, like we've got at Nuiu, most teams will have a battering ram option. And mm. if Iorfa is not good enough to deal with that sort of a direct attack, I think his heading is just not as good as it should be. Uh, intriguingly, because he was, you know, was involved in the second goal with a very good header today. But he doesn't get good distance. He sort of tends to head it up in the air or to the side. Um, and... That leads him, I think, more often than not to letting the the big man win the header 
and I don't think the other two were good enough at reacting to 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 make the most of that. And mm. just you look at it. So Stockley came on the seventy sixth minute, seventy eighth minute. They scored from a Jaden Stockley flick on. He also rattled around. I mean, people sort of questioned whether he maybe should have got a card or a, you know even worse a sending off. But he physically put himself about he bashed into I offer he bashed into Borna let them know that he was there <clears throat> um the second one Stockley got himself after being played through cleaned through by Daniel Johnson and then the third one was another Stockley assist uh mm. for Brad Potts and again I mean it would all we pushed men forward to try and get back into the game and, and left huge gaps in behind um but it was not a good goal to concede that Potts one Really not a good goal to concede. Um, typically, question marks over whether Wildsmith could have done better with some of the the shots. I don't think any of them... Well, Potts' was decent, but I think the other two were pretty average-looking efforts that maybe a bit of better positioning and a, a better dive from from Wildsmith. He might have had a chance with some with the, one or both of them. Um but yeah, a really disappointing day, particular game. Really, particularly having led, I think we've been in that situation a couple of times. Um, Blackburn was almost the same sort of game in that against the run of things, we managed to get our noses in front. And I think you become used to a certain sort of not Blackburn. Sorry, what what game am I thinking of? Cardiff, Cardiff, and stuff. Yes, I both so, those yeah. games we were really under the caution, like managed to poke our noses in front i think yes um and i think you get used to like okay we've not we're not playing well we've grabbed a goal though let's mm. let's batten down the hatches and defend this with our lives because it's like like mm-hmm. you know people talk about stealing of it or you know smash and grab and things like that i think teams generally love those sort of performances because it's like well we were actually bad today but we managed to you know kind of wrestle a, a win from the jaws of uh, of defeat yes and it's we just didn't see that from against Preston. It all it was all just so easy for them once they made that switch, and that, that was that. I think that's so disappointing to see. We just don't seem to have that in our the team's sort of collective DNA. Doesn't seem to have that. You know, they don't get past us. They, they'd have to die trying to get past us. Resolute sort of approach to things. It just doesn't seem to be in the makeup. They're, they're soft at the core, and we're okay if you let us play our game. But if you if you're willing, if you're able to put up a resistance, we yeah, we just seem to be soft in the middle and and, and ready to crumble and hand things over to you. Um, okay, I mean, we I mean that? that really that really sounds like a very terrible biscuit, Rich. It is. It's the opposite of a hobnob. <laughs> We're, we're, we've, we, are, we, we are the result of someone making the very poor life decision to dunk a rosk um, onto the pressure of a cup of tea. We fold like a rosk. The thing I wanted to say to, about that was, and also I kind of mentioned it to you midweek as well, but they've seemingly said, I've, I've heard a stat which has kind of been put around, which is basically like it's a lot harder for teams to come back from being a goal down. Mm. in kind of lockdown pandemic football behind closed doors. So it's just really incredibly heartbreaking, the fact that, again, we're just, um, you know, magnificent negative record breakers, really. Yes. We're, good at ne- we're good at negative playmaking. We're good at uh, really showing people, you know, when teams haven't beaten teams for a long time or are coming in a bad run of form. Um, and that was also the case with, um, with Preston as well. Oh, there was also, um, there's actually statistical backup for this fact that teams turn around to terrible form against Wednesday. Um, Peter Lohman on Twitter had kind of put together 
a run yes. of yes. how many. It's like, hadn't won in six, hadn't won in five, hadn't won in seven, lost five in a bounce. And it's just like every single one of them turns us over. It's really strange. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, can we, can we sort of put that behind us now? We can. I guess the interesting thing was we felt we needed to talk about it. I really didn't want to talk about it, but we kind of had to talk about it. <laughs> we did. We did. <laughs> and also it feels strange. It's good to kind of get that kind of negative little buffer. You know, I was thinking about, I was watching uh, Diz Zamero, the Bodega Boys. They do a, um, I don't know if you're aware of Diz Zamero. They're two uh, POC people from uh, from New York, from the Bronx. Okay. Who do uh, who do a chat show and they do that and they're, they're just very, very funny. It's just them just kind of talking shit. I really like their um, podcast a lot. But anyway, they've got a show on Showtime in the States and they're interviewing Jon Stewart. And um, talking to Jon Stewart, it's like, how do you kind of process some of that uh, position of having to go on the air and talk about a disaster, you know, and talk about something negative. And, and they were saying how the fact that, you know, they feel that they need to talk about these things and kind of offer some kind of level of positivity where there isn't one. Yeah. And in a very kind of lofty way, it made me think a lot about what me and you do on this podcast. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's funny because John Stewart was saying how, you know, you're not someone who's in the position for them saying you're not in some position who's going to change things. But, you know, essentially those do some they're offering comic relief in those situations. Yeah. So he said that you're being a, he said, he said something great, which is that you're basically being a filtration system. You're being a refinery in that thing. So the more time you kind of have to process things, the more time you have to kind of look at things that are positive and i want to try and think about doing that and i i think i try my hardest to do that though sometimes it's it's an incredibly taxing burdensome load <laughs> you know it feels like really being um a pack horse you know just kind of burdened down with all the kind of negative of sheffield wednesday and and try and look at some things that are positive even though you know we're talking a lot about negative stuff um so, which was interesting because I, I kind of came into this thinking I wasn't looking forward to this game at all. Um, I kind of resigned myself. You know, seeing that lineup at the beginning of this game made me think I, I was kind of resigned to all this. Well, um, yeah. So it's nice to have something positive about it. However, I guess there's a little bit more news we can talk about before we kind of switch focus. And that is we have been heavily linked. Apparently, we're close to agreeing a deal with a Man City youngster, Fizayo Deli Bashuru. Yeah. Which is um, quite exciting. Wow, potentially, yeah. He's um, a yeah, central midfielder. And the reports are that we, well, we've agreed terms with Man City, at least. And we're talking to him on, on personal terms. Uh, but it, I think as as much as anything, it's just nice to see that we're actually doing things in the transfer market. Mm. Um, I don't know anything. I don't know how if anybody does know anything about uh, him as a player to this point. Um, but obviously, he's coming from one of the most successful teams in English football in the last ten years, uh, and presumably they've you know had their pick of the the litter when it comes to young players so um yeah potentially quite an exciting link to have and maybe shows us the kind of mold of player that we're we're looking it, at it definitely does signify someone who especially kind of looking back at some of our kind of major kind of transfer coupes um i guess from the last kind of 20 years of which you can probably think and pick out people like glenn whelan and chris mm. brunts yeah, players who are young and hungry, 
who are do have that kind of um, you know marker of very significant potential behind them to kind of kick on kick forward with so uh, and definitely the completely right personnel that we should be looking at so regardless of the fact that again um because of being in this kind of negative abject state <laughs> looking at Sheffield Wednesday <laughs> and not really kind of trolling and scouring Twitter kind of nigh obsessively as I sometimes have. Um, I haven't been able to, and I don't think many other people have as well, been able to scour the uh, Television Academy archives to kind of put together an idea of what type of player uh, Delhi Bashuru is. Um, however, you know, having someone in an attacking midfield, young, hungry player, probably got a lot of engine behind him, I'm imagining, you know, I mean, you would really be, you would be pretty disappointed if we signed a young player and, um, they were slower than David Jones, you know? Yes. Yes. I mean, it would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? If that was the case, it would be some Um, kind of and they must have other qualities that would really make you think they can actually do some stuff on the pitch. Uh, <laughs> so it, it seems like the right type of characteristic. It's the right resume and background for a player we should be signing. So to be linked, potentially close to signing, we still don't really know. I mean, I guess the problem with this is we don't know when the transfer windows open. We yeah. also don't know if we're in a transfer embargo. There's a lot of questions. But <laughs> the fact that we're hearing something through the media about this is very positive i'm gonna say definitely um i found an article talking about him considering his options and uh the writer has really gone in on man city for letting any of their young players go after sancho matondo and brahim diaz it was like a wake-up call from these developments but apparently city haven't learned their lesson so if he's getting spoken about in the same breath as Jaden sancho that seems quite exciting doesn't it <laughs> I didn't it know does, but I been at Man City's academy, which is he a, had, a and then hilariously might be signed back by them. If uh, yes, for kind of rumours, which is a bit like, um, well, no, it's a different team. But I was just thinking about the fact that Salah obviously had a stint at Chelsea before he had to. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, Pogba's probably the classic in that. Pogba is the classic, isn't he? Because they, yeah, they broke the world transfer record to sign him back. By the player they got rid of a while ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's exciting. It'd be nice to have a few more sort of links of that that ilk, but it's nice to feel that we're out there sort of doing things. We've got some feelers out. Um, there's nothing new from the EFL. It's not worth talking about again, but um, it still hangs over us. Uh, a looming cloud of doubt and despair. <laughs> the big, uh, the big wobbling asterisks, as you the said big, before. Yes, the big gyrating wobbling asterisk across all the season. Uh, the the other thing that's probably worth just noting is. Uh, obviously this weekend uh, we lost Jack Charlton uh, a, a legend at the club um, significant figure in the, in the past of Sheffield Wednesday and a great character from the game of football I, I, I'm sort of we're both same age Luke so not huge amount not not much real memory of uh, of his involvement at, at Wednesday more the kind of echoes of that through the years um, but I do really remember fondly and, and I really bought into uh, the Irish team at the the USA World mm-hmm. Cup, and he, he was a fantastic character to 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 sort of enjoy as part of that. And there's a great documentary that follows that team as well. Um, so yeah, it's a, you know sad occurrence, and um, you know thoughts thoughts to the, to those who are, are close to him and uh, affected by it. But uh, 
just feels like it would be strange not to not to mention it. But anything else to add on that front, Luke? No, I just just oh. you know changing of um, seasons and while there are new turn, turn. people coming into the game and coming into this world, there are people exiting this world. So I think it's uh, maybe been something kind of very close to uh, I think all of our kind of lives with mm. what's going on in the world and. You know, not that it's related, but it it, it seems it, it's just the the turning of life and kind of the the slow tragedy of such things. Mm. So yeah, rest rest in peace to uh, Jack Charlton. To can turn a complete corner from slow tragedy. Let's talk about <laughs> today's game. <laughs> oh, should we talk about the lineup to start off? Luke likes lineups. Yeah, I think it's uh, it makes a lot of sense too. So, <laughs> I think, you know, we preempt things, we say things. I think it's only fair to own up to the fact that I sent you the team sheet today, Luke, <laughs> with the message that, uh, I'm just trying to get my precise wording, when I was oh so eloquent those hours ago. It's the team that we sent to that friendly at workshop <laughs> where we warned the fans in advance. It will be an XI, in inverted commas, and not the first team. <laughs> <laughs> A, stra- a strange, so, you know, some strange players in that starting lineup. Fair to say. <laughs> yes. But uh, Tom Lee's back, drafted back in. No Palmer at all. So obviously his his injury that he did finish the game with, didn't he, against Preston? He kind of mm. plodded until the end of the match. Um, obviously, there there was more to that than it just being a kind of simple knock, and that's taken him out for a slightly longer term. So so Tom Lee's drops back in. He ended up playing um, the centre of that three with Iol for pushing out to Palmer's position on the right. Uh, Windass made his first start since the since the break. Up top with Dacruche. And really nice sort of element. Hunt got his first... Alex Hunt got his first start uh, for Wednesday in that midfield three. Uh, so, just a quick thought. If, um, if Gary Monk is going to have to... Um... Uh, you know, get a lot of the squad kind of matched up and kind of knocked together. Is he using his gaffer tape? Oh, lovely. Oh, oh. See, what see what I did there. Um, yeah, so the, the lineup was just, just insane. Great to see Hunt start. You know, strange seeing Odebarjo within that and not within actually. I wondered whether we might actually, if we see Odebarjo again, we might maybe go for him as part of the front three, which I don't know if I'm really happy about, but maybe <laughs> they might need to. So it was strange seeing him in the wing position because I, I'm... <sighs> I'm finding it difficult finding positives on what he's kind of looking at. Isn't it strange um, how? Isn't it strange though how Odebadjo, who I think he's played right back, uh, right wing back, uh, uh, quite a bit in his career actually. So that's a, that's mm-hmm. first off that he does he's he struggles with it. Mm-hmm. Um, nominally, the rest of the time is a right back uh, and, and more of an occasional winger. It's so strange that he struggles in the position much more than Jacob Murphy seems to, who is a winger. He's better at the defending parts than Odebarjo. And also, let's also kind of bring in, just a bit of foreshadowing here, let's bring in and talk about Kadeem Harris. Yes. Who, spoiler, was just phenomenal today. He was excellent. He was really, really, really good. And looked like that was a position that he's played plenty of times before. That feels like, I mean, I know that we've won this game, we've lost, you know, the previous three. But 
I've actually been amazed how both of them have taken to those positions. And I think it feels like good coaching in that they are using their natural sort of pace to make themselves a nuisance in that position. And not just on the attack, but defensively. Like, they rattle into everything. They're, they're so quickly on the player, they very rarely get a chance to sort of take the ball down or turn or whatever. And, like, that's the way they're doing... They're committing really early, but I guess they've got the pace to probably catch people again. But, yeah, I, I he was... Calvin Kadeem Harris was... Uh, had a great game today although weirdly sort of quiet for large parts of it i think he he dampened down a lot of their their qpr's best play and Mm -hmm. uh just did a tremendous job and really fast forwarding ahead one of my absolute highlights of the game yes uh, it it was at 84 minutes when (laughs) it was a perfect pass from amos he shouldn't have had a chance. The player that's playing against him has just come on about ten minutes ago. So, but he he had and and he made up so much ground, just ate it up and got to the ball ahead of the ahead of his man and cleared it. It was just brilliant to see, particularly after yeah, eighty four minutes of hammering up and down that sideline uh, to still have that in him was was great. Um, I think there's good, there is though, but we can see it in matches. There's there's man you having to manage players. This is an intense. Yes, period of football and it will be till the end of the season and Monk sort of talked about basically everybody being right on the red line of being well or you know well enough you know fit enough to play and and being too tired Mm. Uh, and maybe at the point of pushing themselves to injury so there's a there's a lot of managing that but it's pretty incredible to see him sort of put in that effort (laughs) as as well as as a playing in the midweek game um yeah tremendous well done to to harris just to talk a little bit more of the lineup as well so mm-hmm. i said it was strange order about joe hope for something better to be fully awake and expectant but however expectant for a clangor um my iphone actually put in the notes uh through dative text clamber instead which seemed kind of <laughs> oddly poetic um but i'm wondering whether we can give the unfair nickname of clangorella uh, for most of the Bajo. <laughs> I thought the front two of Windass and ADC was just pure bananas as well. Uh, I, In fact, I, it, it wasn't. It wasn't just bananas. It was banana extract. It was really <laughs> like you've melted all the bananas down, and you've really whatever those fine cooks do to get like a banana flavoring in a... It was banana-flavoured yoghurt. That's what I'm going to say. Banana-flavoured yoghurt. And I also want to say the lineup. It was pure barrel scraping, but the scraping is giving off fumes that we're getting a bad high from. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Because I wonder... For all his, uh, you know, his critics and his lack of sort of dynamism and, and athleticism, Atty Nuyu is generally a pretty evergreen guy in terms of his energy levels. Mm-hmm. And I would doubt that Atty couldn't play two games in a row. So I wonder if that it genuinely was a choice. I mean, it looked... We played on their weaknesses so well today. Mm. I, I know it looked like a sort of barrel scraping, but I do wonder if it was just as long as we have some pace, we will get so many chances in behind them. I get that, and I, I did. It did work an absolute treat but the thing i've said i think we've seen before though is we've gone with those options and it's not words yeah there's a lack of physical presence there that could have easily stopped us building in the game but i well we'll get to this at the end because there's a big question today 
of you know you see the possession stat rolling back and forth in terms of that that tussle but the, today's game really felt by the end of it as a, t- a tussle of how good were Sheffield Wednesday and how bad were QPR because yes. to not I just, it felt like the decision-making from Warburton was baffling. Because if they took, if they went 10 feet back, we would have struggled. Those two players would have struggled to get a foothold in the game. They wouldn't have won the ball. Neither of them, you know, got the the sort of wherewithal to to take a ball and and hold it up and things like that. So if they hadn't give us all that, given us all that, sorry about the English, uh, give us, they, if they hadn't give us all space in behind, um, but they it would constantly they were defending on the halfway line, despite the fact that we could have had fifteen goals today. We were every time we put the ball over the halfway line. It was the chance for one-on-one with their goalkeeper. And yeah. it was only through our own bumbling and fumbling that we, we managed to keep it down to three. Mm. It, it was completely bizarre. I, if I, would be in, I would be incensed if I was a QPR fan having watched that because I just don't understand what he was aiming for. And it was so pig-headed that they made... He saw that it was clearly getting... You know, we, they were getting torn to pieces... And his only change was to put on a slightly quicker player in the in the three at the back, so that sometimes they might catch us when we got over the top. So that he didn't address the core of it that they were essentially just leaving the door open all the time. Hey, boss, should we shut this door? No. What we're going to do is have a quick lad, and when they get through the door, we might catch them. <laughs> Mental. Absolutely crazy. I just put a note on the QPR's lineup. I said QPR have a woe is me bench to avoid paying appearance fees to a couple of youngsters. And then I said they're also playing three at the back, like banana bread and sourdough. Five three two seems to have been a recipe that all championship managers have been trying in their time off. <laughs> Brilliant. That is fa- that is fantastic, Rich. Well done. <laughs> And also the weirdest thing, QPR were playing sounds in the stadium. Is that that's not happened before, has it? Crowd mm, sounds being played no. in the stadium. No, no, that seems it's novel. I feel that way. How can that be allowed? <laughs> I was There's everything against it. I just don't think it's, it's a good um good bit of time to you. I don't I don't know if it's a good idea. It's a bad idea, isn't it? We can say that. It's a bad <laughs> idea. It's definitely a bad idea. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, pretty much from the off. So uh, my other little pun of the day is um, I, I actually didn't put it in my notes till the second half, but I put Warburton, more like Borburton. <laughs> his teams, I remember his Brentford team being exactly the same. They love tedious passing around at the back, aimless, pointless passing between the people at the back. And they did that all game. We kept catching them in possession. <laughs> they, they, but it, um, So we had kind of five, three, four minutes of them just passing it around the back. The first little break we had, which was sort of Windass knocking it down for De Cruz and then De Cruz getting pulled down by the defender, uh, produced the free kick that we, we scored from. Not direct from the free kick, mind. <laughs> Setting the tone for the day. We needed three chances to take one. Um, but it was a decent free kick from Windass. Sort of reminded me of the kind of free kicks that Wallace would take. Hit the target. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't need to be perfect. Hitting the target is almost half the battle. Goalkeepers aren't very good at saving free kicks. 
most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, bounced out from him, was headed to the edge of the box, and Luongo hit an absolute peach of a volley with his left foot. And uh, keeper saved that onto the post. And then Dominic Iorfa slotted home the, the second rebound. That was just such a predatory striker reaction at first. <laughs> and yeah. then the finish itself, just every little bit of it was just so casual and quality that it, you'd kind of expect that that's what you would kind of expect Jordan Rose to be doing. Yeah. And it came from my author. It came from my author. It came from my author. It was just incredible. He's a dom of all trades. That's what he is. <laughs> um, we saw the first kind of, around the sort of 20 minute mark, we saw the, the way that the rest of the game was kind of go play out uh, with Windass being played over the top and kind of looking threatening, but nothing quite coming of it. Uh, we had a slightly scary moment at 26 minutes where um, yes. Eze nearly caught Wildsmith. Uh, I think we did catch Wildsmith. It wasn't a foul, I don't think. Was it a foul? What did you think? <laughs> I can't recall. I, I honestly, I, but I it just was remember it was a very, very poor, undercommitted pass back from Tom Lees, which is something mm-hmm. we've seen quite a lot of the time, I want to say. It's not something new, let's be honest. It wasn't a great pass back, but also I think the context made it worse Mm. because Bannon had made himself available. So there was an easy slip pass forward. There was no, there wasn't a huge amount of pressure on him. So even if he wanted to play a, a, you know, a, a safer long pass, he could have done that. And I think, you actually saw on the replay, Wildsmith had taken a step or two back because I think he thought, well, the ball's getting cleared here. And then Tom Lee spins around and plays the bat yes. back, back to him. So yeah. it's like context was almost almost as bad as the, as the mm. ball itself was the context it was played in. Um, and Hunt sort of picked up, same sort of time, was sort of assessing how he'd done so far. He had some bright moments. He'd, he got caught in possession a couple of times. Bannon produced a really good tackle to bail him out on on, uh, on one occasion. And um, and then he sort of did his professional foul on Eze uh, at, at the 30-minute mark, which gave him his yellow card. Um, but that yeah, then we seem to sort of just go into overdrive and have chance after chance. Uh, there was a break from Windass and De Cruz, uh, which Windass sort of pushed on, took the shot himself with his left foot, but kind of hit the defender. Um, that was a 31-minute mark. 32 minutes mark, there was another break with Odebajo and Windass mm-hmm. breaking into the box with De Cruz on the right. Um, not I played him well by a lovely ball by Hunt. I think Hunt seemed to... A bit like Glenn Whelan in his day. The yellow card seemed to... He played so much better after he got the yellow card out of the way. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, hilariously, I did write Hunt's looking sharp today, and I wrote that literally just before he did that that professional foul. (laughs) So... Um, that was a disappointing one. I thought that break with the three, because all of them were in the box ahead of any QPR player and, and how we managed to not score from it. Mm. So I don't really know how we managed to do that because it was it was a beautiful opportunity. Um, and that's when QPR made that change. So they brought on, they took off one of the centre backs, they dropped in the, the right wing back and um, played a sort of winger on uh, in, in right wing back. So I guess, I mean, as I say, essentially to try and have some pace in their back four or back three because they just were getting caught constantly. Um, I thought it was funny they they made a reference to Wednesday trying to turn turn the screw and Wednesday always looking to Henry James, the turn of a screw. And that's a horror story also as well. (laughs) 
Did you notice the commentary were mentioning the fact that we're always looking to cause our own problems as well? Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, just pride to bear that, that pass back as well. I've got to say, I really loved uh, Mark Crosley on the uh, on the commentary. Yes. Big Norm. What a delight. What a lovely human being he seems to be. Um, yes, a real treat <laughs> to have him on the co-commentary. Yeah. Uh, we had another, Lee's had a free header at the 36th minute. We also got another chance in, in, that, in that same minute. And I just put, I've just put in massive capitals. How many chances do we want? Exactly. That really felt like one that we would have missed. That, yeah. that was a really missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, and you're creeping thought process you know we talked about being a wednesday fan being a sort of study in disappointment and disillusion your your natural mindset as a wednesday fan is we're not going to keep getting chances like this if we don't take more of these they are going to get their chance and like it would have been so bad i think to have gone in at half time one nil up just one nil up after that yes um two was the bare minimum that we we deserved from it and thankfully we did keep plugging away they they had um they had their best period of the game though around that 40 minute mark because that was where bannon and and hunt were on the byline together and bannon sort of kept the ball alive from a throw-in then got his pocket picked by Eze, who played a really nice sort of inside out ball with the outside of his foot uh and tom lee's smashed into the tackle it was a very good tackle um they got a very they got very close from the first corner um and then decided to do a special set piece routine called giving away a free kick where they all stood and pushed wildsmith and sort of bullied him till the referee blew his whistle was that the 40th minute mark (laughs) that was the 40th minute mark so i made a note 40 minute mark qpr corner a hilarious kids party encroachment like yes. the toddlers climbing over Schwarzenegger in Kindergarten Cop, Wild Smith tells the QPR players, it's not a dog, it's a ferret, about Tom Lee's. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe QPR thought it was a kid's party. Maybe they were going to play that delicious game where um, you get round in a circle and kids roll a dice and they've got to hit a six. And then you've got to put on hat gloves and a scarf and then uh, cut off some chocolate using a knife and fork. Did you ever play that game? <laughs> Yes, I do remember that game, yeah. <laughs> and how brilliantly cheap was that game? Yeah, very good. Especially because it tended to be cooking chocolate. <laughs> very cheap. <laughs> 30p from Tesco's. Um, <laughs> we nearly got in again, wind us in again, but the, the, the new pacey defender nipped that in the bud. Um, I really <laughs> sort of... Enjoyed slash found problematic that Crossley kept calling our pressing game harassment. They're really harassing them all, all over their path. Just, yeah, the harassment. They've got that harassment today. Well, that um, was some problematic language, did you, Rich? Yeah, yeah, it just made me laugh. Um, especially because we've talked a bit about Always Sunny in, the, in, in previous episodes. Um, I was watching, yeah, watching one where Charlie was um, being particularly stalkerish with the, uh, with the waitress, and I was thinking about harassment. I was thinking about uh, our whole team of Charlie Days chasing the waitress around. around. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, I get the, I, I really felt, I mean, the, the funny thing was, I just, I felt there was so many chances 
that it, it grew. I, I'm impressed with you taking notes. I actually grew tired of taking notes of how <laughs> got many chances were at one nil. It, it felt there were so many that I was just like, I, I can't. Yeah. I, I don't want to commit these to paper because I don't want to have a litany of missed chances. I don't want to be doing a shipping forecast of Wednesday's lack of profligacy. You know, or is is profligacy? I think it's the other way around, isn't it? We were showing lots of profligacy. Yes, we were very wasteful. Yes. Yeah, I I um, <laughs> well, I think I was just enjoying the fact that we were having such a we were just ruining QPR, <laughs> and um, although it was frustrating, we weren't taking the chances. And it, it, to be honest, it got staggering in the second half. I think I did get to that point eventually. To be honest, with those chances, but um, for the first half, I just particularly after the how low I felt after Wednesday night's game. I was just enjoying the fact that we could do this against against another team in our league and <laughs> not a team of children. Uh, <laughs> it was interesting how often we kind of had mirror chances, like Windass would get down one wing and then, so that, that happened in the towards the end of the half, Windass got down the left wing, caught a, a pretty perfect ball across the middle of the box that nobody managed to get to. And then De Cruz got almost the exact same mm. chance on the other side, and he picked out Windass, who I said, this is a bit unhar- a bit harsh on Kieran Lee, but, um, you know, he did a Kieran Lee and found the defender in an empty net. Um, was that the one where he, there was a very good reaction from the QPR defender? It was. It was good defense. It's always a mixture of both, isn't it? It's good, brave defending. And that was, same time, but that would look like it was just going to just absolutely break our hearts because that, that just seemed to be the commitment. You know, the story yeah. of the first half, wondering if, you know, our lead isn't too much. You know, we've been wasteful with his chances. And hilariously, that led to a corner. In which... Another great delivery from De Cruz, has to be said. Mm. Once again, there's a consistency to his deliveries, a pace on them that makes them a real weapon for us. Um, once again, <laughs> has to be said, on the other side, our captain Barry Bannon not providing the ammunition quite the same way, generally passing it to the first man or the goalkeeper. But this, let's not wallow on that. Let's not dwell on that. A great De Cruz corner, an Iorfa flick, was maybe going in anyway, but Windass took his chance and popped it popped it in. Mm. <sighs> what yeah, a relief. Could have, could have been a brace for Dominic Iorfa. Could have been. If uh, and, uh, Trump, Trumpy Bum didn't completely uh, bog line and snag it for himself. <laughs> Or as I, you know, imagine a, a sort of red top headline could be "Swimwear Mod Bod Gets the Nod." <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We can stop the episode now. That's the title. <laughs> Best half of football in 2020. I very much agree. Well, it just looked absolutely rampant. We just completely, you know, to to even have a team that we're doing as badly as QPR were to even have that much joy against the team it's just incredible yeah i can't remember us looking so dangerous in such a long time and only we let them have the ball in safe spaces all the time but they barely encroached on our box at all we didn't get let them get near us we only had 33 percent of the possession but we we had nine shots and could have had more by half time a really tremendous performance the hilarious thing was and i'll just kind of go ahead so i, I noticed um we can come back and cover this you know beginning of the second half and go through the our analysis but actually at the 55 minute mark they brought on the screen that we had three shots on target and we had two goals from those Yes. Which is funny because that looks like we're incredibly dangerous from that start. Yes. But then you can think about how many other chances we've missed and put ones off target effectively. 
yeah, yeah, and the ones that didn't get to being like good breaks that didn't even get to being a shot as well. On top of that, yeah, I really enjoyed as well on the when the halftime whistle blew some of the some of the footage that we got. Um, it I really amused me to see a shot of both Alex Hunt and Dominic Iorfa in the same shot. <laughs> like, just I, I enjoyed seeing Iorfa and Hunt together in a shot. Not all men are created equal. <laughs> yeah, like a. Like, like a sort of um, Attenborough-esque. Incredibly, both these specimens are of the same species. <laughs> <laughs> very much so. Just very, very much, yeah. I mean, I don't know how much... It's it's more of the same, really, second half. I think we had a little spell where QPR looked like they might try and sort of force their way back in a bit. Um, particularly, I think, just before we scored the third, that's when we looked at our most our most shaky. Um, we seemed to be letting them sort of pass it. We sat a bit deeper. We were, you know, we were all lined up on our goal line, and and we we kept letting them kind of hit their front man uh, Samuel in the middle of that. And that's a dangerous thing to do, you know. You're going to give teams chances if you if you do that. Um, so that, yeah, so that that sort of threatened to slightly turn things around a bit. But by and large, we were just always we always had that release of a ball over the top, putting them putting them in a world of trouble again. Um, I did I did sort of say at 60, 60 minute mark, um, QPR make two changes with one haircut causing confusion to the Radio Sheffield commentator. Because, um, <clears throat> yeah, they brought on two two young lads that had the, the sort of, I don't know, the same kind of floppy on top, shaved around the sides, haircut. Uh, how how heartbreaking was it, even though we were 2-0 up? You know, I, I imagine, like me, Rich, you felt a modicum of comfort, you know, like, yes. a, like a moderately decent IKEA sofa. Um, you and I had modicum <laughs> of comfort. So... But it was still heartbreaking to see, I think, the 48th minute mark. Da Cruz's slip in the box? Yes. It was weird because I think he got so used to Windass shooting every time he had the chance that he'd sort of, he'd sort of given up thinking it was going to come to him. Um, and then he was so shocked when it, when it happened. He just fell flat on his face. <laughs> Uh, that was that was yeah that was a bit of a heart wrench as you say. Um, Windass had another amazing chance over the t- uh, with the ball over the top. In fact, no, it was a ball in by Murphy, wasn't it? It was a gorgeous uh, ball in from from Murphy, setting him free, and um, he boomed it over the bar. Um, there was another one where he was one on one with the goalie and sort of dropped his shoulder, but uh, the keeper got his got his hand to it. Foiled again by Joanna Lumley and her Gurkha army. <laughs> Tom Lee's then went down injured, was replaced by young Liam Liam Shaw getting his debut. Um, we sort of reshuffled things when Shaw came on, so I also went back to the middle. And Shaw replaced him in his position. Also, uh, Windass went off for New Year as well. Windass went off for New Year. A pretty impressive shift from Windass. I know, really frustrating that he only ended up with one goal because he could have had six <laughs> goals yes. on another day. Yes, but awesome. his energy levels were tremendous. And just having someone that wants to break in behind like that, we've not really seen that since Stevie May. And I think he's much better than Stevie May. That was a really strange... uh, That was the last person I thought you'd bring up, really. Well, I just... Stevie May was the last guy I could remember being like, 
sitting and wanting to get played in behind with it so he could sort of break break away from defenders. I can't really remember anybody between him and now. Mm-hmm. That sort of style of what I know that's what Jordan Rhodes theoretically is, but I've ne- we've not se- we've never seen that in a Wednesday. He doesn't have the pace to get away from yes. everybody. When you pick up the box of Jordan Rhodes in the supermarket, that's what it says on the label. Yes, but, uh, but again, it's never delivered, right? That's well, not for not for us, not for us, not for us. Um, what was I going to say? There was quite a good block at the seventy-fifth minute, wasn't there? I think that was from ourselves. Yeah, well, QPR got their first shot at seventy-five minutes, um, which was kind of a pretty tame header into Wildsmith's hands. Um, we did. I mean, I think by and large, we did some pretty good defending on the whole. Uh, uh, we weren't we weren't pressed too much, but we looked apart from that little period where, as I say, we were we were dropping a bit. You know, we were dropping a bit too deep. Apart from that period, we looked we looked fairly good in this game. And QPR are a team with some talents in that midfield, particularly, you know, Eze is very highly touted as one of the one of the best prospects in the whole league. Mm. We didn't see anything from him today, really. And no, that's got to be no. testament to how hard the midfield worked. And it was it's interesting to sort of observe that there's not naturally a, a defender in that three. Longo does some work that way. And I thought Longo had a, got, got through so much work today and put in a great shift, just driving us forward. But Bannon's the guy that sat deepest in, the, in that three. Um, I think just being on the front foot, and attacking everything just put us a bit that's where we built our platform today it wasn't a big front man that we kicked balls into it was letting them have possession until we decided we didn't want them to have possession anymore and having the energy pace and personnel to to make that happen was how we sort of built built the the platform of play it was really good really good to see the midfield did a great great job all round uh, and very heartening to see a sort of homegrown youngster in the midst of that. I sort of joked to my sister at half time, it's really nice having two Bannon because having somebody that wants to, he's not always taking the easy option. He's willing to maybe push past a man and pick a, a more ambitious ball. It didn't always work for him. He did get caught in possession a couple of times, but he had a great game. Young <laughs> Alex Hunt, it was really uh-huh. nice to see. Really, really nice to see. He didn't look out of place at all, uh, which can happen with youngsters. You know, they can, they can look like kids. And, and I don't think he did. Are we going to get talk on the final gloss on this uh, excellent career defence that was Sheffield Wednesday against QPR? I think we should. Oh, Jakob Murphy. Jakob. Jakob. What the, where did that come from, my friend? It was just brilliant. Such a great... Who, who played the pass to, uh, to Murphy for that goal? I meant to go back and check because there was a bit of a question about that on the commentary, wasn't there? Mm. Um, if I can pull it up quickly, I will do. Anyway, but just what, just amazing control. Just so kind of cultured. And he just kind of kept kept it touching, kept it going out to his left. And at the time, this is what I've said, you know, a beautiful slow opening up like a flower. Just his body just kind of blossomed <laughs> out like a... Uh, like a time lapse of a flower in bloom, really, just to kind of roll it out his body, and then just this effortless curl lift into the corner. It was just it's it's again that like I think as I criticized Murphy last week, he did a miss that was so effortlessly bad, but that was yes. just so effortlessly brilliant. I think he's he's such a strange player. I think he's he's an immensely talented football player, Jacob Murphy. Yeah, and someone who shows 
like any winger, they are inconsistent, you know. So we we've seen we've seen Murphy, we've seen Jakob of yore and Jakob of presence, and then we've also <laughs> seen Jakob in the middle as well. We've had mid period Jakob, middle ages Jakob as well. Um, we've had monolithic Jakob, and we've had like neo futurist Jakob as well. Um, some kind of uh, Elon Musk utopia on acid kind of Jakob Murphy. But so uh, we know he's a winger. We know he's, but what, you know, he still has, is a player with just so much kind of ounces of talents who can just produce some real moments of just fantastic football. And it was just such an incredible finish to make it 3 0. I when I see that sort of play from Russian inside forward Jakob Murphy, I can only say Nastrovia to <laughs> no, it was great. I mean, it was another ball over the top. So it was, it was Bannon. It was Bannon. And he played it with his right, right. foot, amazingly. Um, mm. I thought he'd messed it up. I thought he'd sort of over-controlled it. Uh, you know, he'd taken too much run off it. And then, yeah, as you say, just uncorked this gorgeous lob into the corner, leaving Patsy from Abfab grabbing at thin air. It's a, it was a perfect Murphy. Wheels uh, on fire perfect. rolling down the road, right? Was that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he perfected the Harris. He um, did perfect the Harris, yes. <laughs> he's been in the lab working on the Harris finish, and he's, uh, he's found some tweaks to... Uh, it's, it's real Flaming Lips Race for the Prize stuff, isn't it, really? It is. you're, you're right. He's an interesting player. He I wonder how much he sort of gets in his own way a little bit like I think he he does some brilliant things but it mm. seems like the more time he has the more likely he is to do something silly or or less high quality I think like when he's put in pressure situations he seems to nail it time and time again like when he takes things but, early and kind of grabs the initiative he, I, but yeah but I think there's still ish, uh, there's still times and there's still times when he's in a situation where oh he's got a score mm. And do you think there's a, a, a bit of there's a bit of a feel of Stephen Fletcher about that? Fletcher never really scored many easy chances. Quite possibly. Fletcher, Quite possibly. you know, did these kind of very artful artis- artisan headers, artisanal <laughs> yes. headers that you'd never really expect. You know, he wasn't very good at making a um, uh, a kind of Asda cheap cheese. But yes. he can make he can make this real uh, real stuff that you'd put out on a cheese board at a real fancy spread, right? <laughs> yes. So it's, it's a similar deal, really. Because I mean, there's sometimes where I feel like he's not had the composure, and especially that miss we talked about last week. Yeah. But this was just so incredibly casual and collected. I I've, I've been I think uh, I think annoyingly it's sort of been in a period of time where we've been as a team probably at our worst. He so he was shining his brightest, but if there's any possibility of us getting him for another year, I would absolutely love to to have. Oh, I'd, I'd absolutely adore such a thing. I'd I'd be really staggered if there was ever a, an option or a possibility of us getting him on a permanent basis. No, yeah, I I doubt that as well. But if 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 he's entered this limbo land of so many young English players where he's not quite good enough for the first team of the Premier League team he signed for. But yes, yes, yeah. he's um he's a you know I guess, I guess that's a really funny thing that he is a he's becoming a bit like a yo-yo player. Mm. Yeah, interesting enough, we didn't really he went to West Brom and it didn't really work out a great deal from there. No. You know? No. So I I guess interesting I mean but that obviously put us in the driving seat to get a player 
of his quality at the club, and it was a really great signing. And even for all of the uh, the disappointment with Murphy, he's been one of the best signings of this Absolutely. year. Absolutely, uh, definitely the best loan signing, bar none. I don't think we've done we we have not done as well with anyone else. No. So yeah, I mean, if there's, there's any opportunity, we can get him back again next year. Just definitely, just do do whatever you can. But I'm not sure if we're going to be in a position to. I suppose to do that again. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, if they can, I'm I'm sure they would also love him as well. You know, I'm sure that you know, I, I I'm sure that Monk knows just how good a player he is and can see that. I'm sure everybody at the club can as well. Um, the thing I want to say about Murphy, though, I mean, this is the first time we've seen him in that kind of. Is this the first time we've seen him in the shadow striker role or up top? Because it feels it's like it's definitely it. the first time I re- I remember it happening. I mean, vaguely, he did so well there. <laughs> That I was like, have we seen this before? Because it, do you know what I mean? Because it's, yeah, it was such a sort of preternatural uh, <laughs> way that he took to it. It was, uh, I just loved seeing him on the, on the break, and he was always looking to make that run as well. It was really nice to see. <laughs> you can't, you can't quite look. I was just trying to think about. It. You said preternatural. Yes. Beautiful. <laughs> I also I tried to search up Preta Porter as well, <laughs> just uh, just because we are we are different gravy. The Ina Kamose supported Sheffield Wednesday podcast. <laughs> it was some real, it's a real touch him up and go stuff. Uh oh, chicha chang chang. <laughs> it I was incredible. For a long time, was... Preta Porter must have had something to do with Gail Porter, but um, it doesn't. <laughs> No, it's no uh, having your Norgs uh, projected on the side of uh, House of Parliament. <laughs> oh, those were the days. <laughs> what, a gr- what a great nation me and you were born in, Rich. <laughs> is, that, is that the British dream? You have the American dream. Is that the British dream? You can be a diminutive blonde, attractive um, kids TV presenter, and you can uh, get them out in FHM and then be projected on the side of House of Parliament. And then suffer, and then maybe suffer depression and shape, you know, and then lose your hair as well. Awful, yeah, awful times. But come out of it the other side, a rosy, interesting personality. Um, <laughs> not, not much else happened. There was a good bit of goalkeeping from Wildsmith for nipping yeah, something in the bud. That was good. Uh, and we've just, you've also kind of stolen a bit of my thunder. Oh, sorry. Just about the. the oh, the, please uh, do. The, yeah, the it's worth mentioning twice. It's, I think we have to mention it. It's so nice we're going to mention it twice. Uh, he did such a fantastic shift. And then to just completely outpace a QPR player who you said had come on <laughs> 10 minutes prior at the 83 minute mark, win the ball, and then just cheekily ping it off him for a throw in was just <laughs> absolute magic. It was, oh, was just amazing. I think we love those kind of. We're very detail oriented to the point that we do podcasts that are way too long um but we really enjoy those kind of small moments that we really dine out on yes. and that was uh, that was uh, that was calvin chef's chef's kiss harris right there <laughs> or even magnifique. Could it, uh, magnifique that was absolutely yeah, beautiful. beautiful stuff absolutely beautiful uh, uh, the Kadeem Harris uh, rat's been in the kitchen and much like ratatouille he's uh he's made a blinder of a dish just there <laughs> and the qpr winger was all there's a rat in my kitchen what am i gonna do <laughs> did you uh, did you really, i know you said how much you enjoyed having um mark crossley did a commentary yes did you did you love the fact that he called it a mintonious performance <laughs> I did. I did. 
did. I absolutely love that. And I don't even know what Minto. I mean, it, it's probably oh, good. Mintonius. I, I, I can't it, find it. Google. I, I, I think I, it's his I've own used... creation. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, because he does sort of he does like positive thinking videos doesn't he on twitter mm. and i think yeah mintonius is a, is a phrase of his own devising that he's come up with on on those videos i mean much like one of his videos is very much a walk in the park for us today wasn't it? it was i mean the the, the very last sort of moment of of note was we were have you know a a, a stray blade of grass away from maybe a mar- marvelous sort of capping off of everything by by uh, burner um sort of breaking <laughs> breaking through and uh i don't know what he would have done if he hadn't have fallen over like he'd been shot but maybe he would have played the ball through for somebody maybe he would have just curled one in i don't know it was we were having that sort of a game but that was yeah. the, sort of the 90th minute was uh well yeah, there but- was also the late thing of harris taking it just out of play and then cutting it back for new you to one oh, yeah to smash into the <laughs> roof of the net yeah yeah a good day all round, and yeah. yeah, I think the my first, my first comment after my notes was, "What a weird team this is." Mm. Uh, <laughs> to have the the you know the lows of it, absolutely the bottom of your boots lows of midweek to such a tremendous performance. I mean, we could have been three goals up in the first half hour today. Yeah. Uh, how strange. Uh, it's a bit of Munkenstein's monster. If he's using his gaffer tape, he's using it to the amazing effects that The Rock manages to in the film Skyscraper, if you've seen that tremendous piece of cinema. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've only seen San Andreas, I'll be honest. Oh, And Rampage. The Rock does some things in, with gaffer tape in, uh, in Skyscraper that's... That make you think that they were uh, they must have been a sponsor. At one point, he he hangs off the he hang he travails the side of a building just with gaffer tape the wrong way around on his hands, like he sticks to the side of a building that he's he's, he's moving around with just the stickiness of gaffer tape. It's incredible. So it's, it's a must see film. I think definitely worth uh, an hour and a half of your time or whatever, however long it is. Uh, <laughs> And I think so. I think naturally, as I say, as I said, sort of earlier, that the, there's a bit of a the the question is how how good were Wednesday? How bad were QPR? Um, in a way, I don't care because <laughs> we won three 0 and that's. I know, I know, I know, I know. And I don't I'm, think I'm, there, was a, there was bad performance. We we, we were wor- you know everybody's worried now about Odomajo. His hit rate is incredible, but. He did all right, all game. He didn't do anything wrong. You know, the really funny thing is, I'm glad you brought up Adebayo because I've done player ratings and I completely missed him. Oh. (laughs) So maybe I'll just just type that in quickly ahead of uh, player ratings. We should get to player ratings, but I think the other two two things worth noting before we sort of... Mm get to that point one we ended the game with just 26 percent of possession we've talked about how wednesday for years and years now have been a team who are better when they have less of the ball and today was a, a key showing of that in terms of successful passes we had a quarter of the successful passes of qpr but all of ours were dangerous and qprs did nothing um it's just such a strange position to be in that basically we were allowed we allowed them the bulk of the game the bulk of the ball but every time we had it we looked fantastic we looked terribly dangerous to them so just another interesting thing and then uh, the other thing that's worth noting although as we 
talked about the big wobbling asterisk. Uh, we are now mathematically safe. Uh, this is where mm. the asterisk really comes into play, but we are 10 points clear of the team that's third bottom. Uh, there's only three games left to play for all three of those teams at the bottom, so none of them can catch us without uh, you know, the, the interference of Rick Parry or Rick Parfit either one of them, the guy from status quo or the guy from the EFL. Those are the only two people that can <laughs> have a hand in relegating us this season. Uh, I, I did also consider, I don't think this is something I'm going to do now, but I did wonder about whether we'd do a hip hop parody of fuck the parry, uh, fuck the parry as opposed to fuck the police. Oh, just, um, you know, just to really just sidle with some uh, hip hop done about horrendous, System, systemic white race, white racism, and we're getting in on the action to say, yeah, EFL is fucking awful. And I'm sure that's what John Boyega is about as well. I'm sure John Boyega is a, a Birmingham City fan, and he's just he's just he's just exasperated with them as well. I think oh. across the board, we can all agree that his sandals were whack. <laughs> yes, right? there were some pretty funky, funky Birkenstocks. <laughs> And I also wonder as well, just to kind of go with the, the sheer hip-hop theme again, we could also bring in, though this wasn't the case today, uh, Snoop Dogg would say, did somebody say Just Eat? Uh, Luke Dogg would say, did somebody say We're Sheet? <laughs> Only on this occasion, we're keeping a clean sheet. Yeah. And maybe the QPR fans are saying, Another thing absolutely we're Sheet. <laughs> Oh, those adverts are so jarring. As attack goes in the chateau. Oh, <laughs> oh you never have. Hang, um, hang it up. Funny, hang it up, man. The really funny thing is, is that this is obviously what kind of happens in the world. Is celebrities do adverts in different countries because less people see that, or they don't care as much about yes. that audience than they do about their their main prime audience. Um, so we actually have a thing called Skip the Dishes, which is another delivery app here in Canada, and we have a series of John Ham commercials. Oh wow! Okay, John Ham does them, and they're they're quite good. They're pretty good, I must say. John Ham is is playing this uh, bizarre character where he pretends to be Canadian and at the end of one of them he says aren't you from this is his uh, assistant says aren't you from St. Louis <laughs> uh, yeah it's it, those ad- adverts are very strange the uh, the other one that we've got, got in the further issue to make with the Just Eat adverts so just a quick point here oh, sorry. don't order at half time you order about 20 minutes in order yeah. the drinks break Order the drinks break now. The drinks break should be sponsored by Just Eat, so you get it at the first half or the second half. So you get your you get your delivery at about half time, the half time interval, and then it's, you can have a lo- lovely little nom nom while you're watching the watching the hours. It's a good point, Luke. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> sound advice. I think we can all agree and take on board. Uh, the yeah the other, the weird one that's going around at the moment in the uh, yeah in the UK is we have Robert De Niro on an advert for Kia cars. Really? Which does make you sad. But then apparently in some sort of court case, um, the, Robert De Niro's uh, manager was moaning that he will struggle to make $6.5 million this year. Uh, Crimea River, Bobby. Crimea River. Is the court case about some kind of uh, child payments or something? He's or? pleading, yeah, he's pleading poverty in the court case um, that he, you know... Due to the coronavirus, he will struggle to make six point five million this year. So he can't meet his regular payments to uh... exactly. Yeah. Okay. Oh, bad times for Bobby De Niro, eh? Yes. I mean, 
that's the that's the that's the true victim of the pandemic is Robert De Niro. What about can't put, he can't film another film where he's passed it and he's sold out. Where he, um, I don't know, want something about him being old, maybe, and still trying to pull young women. Is that is that what most of his he's films? Oh, sorry, it's 7.5 million this year. He'll be lucky to make 7.5 million this year. Uh, yeah, that's what most of his films seem to be now. Or things where they have to digitally make him younger so that he can play the roles he was playing before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Oh, player player ratings. Ratings. Let's get on to these things. Yeah. Joe, top, top, 40, top 40 Joe Wildsmith. 40 Joe Wildsmith. I've gone with a 7.5. I think uh, it's him today. You, you what, sorry? I, I, I agree. I thought he had a good game today. Okay. So. Sorry, it's just such a strange thing to hear us say about Joe Wildsmith. I know, I'd, I know. I'd say, come again. <laughs> um, repeat again, Mr. Miller. Um, yeah, steady. I mean, he did not have much to do, but he did well with what he had to do. Um, I thought it was good work near the end to cover for Burner. Cause so, yeah. cover for Burner had a slight drop of the knacker, as we put, for the Ote chance. Yes, to, yeah. to come out and whack it clear. Which, I mean, he did quite a few times. He, he's, he seems to be quite good at that. Um, those clearances when under pressure. So I'm going to say, I'm, I'm my hypothesis regarding Joe Wildsmith is that he's an Edison-style keeper of putting it into Rosette, perhaps. <laughs> the, do you know one of the... Rosette Edison. I think is what well, I said. Edison. Um, he, he did have a good game today. Um, I'm really pleased. He didn't have a lot to do. Um, it did make me one of the um, sort of bits of gallows humor that made me laugh midweek was somebody saying um, Wildsmith is so thankful to Gary Monk for giving him the starting position that he keeps passing the ball to him. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's very funny. That's very, very good. Uh, but all that is forgotten. Today is a, a better day, and 7.5 for Joe Wildsmith feels absolutely heartily a welcome, uh, a welcome turn of events. Um, and then you, the forgotten man. For, for oh, we should do the centre backs first, I suppose. But uh, so let's go for uh, Dominic Iorfa on the right side of the the three this time. Dominic Iorfa gets an eight. Um, I've actually probably naturally I think if he didn't score I'd probably give him a 7.5 because a 0.5 mark added for the obligatory incredible finish and that was just monumental it's a huge moment for us and we really banked and are thankful the fact that he shone so hard at that moment yeah Um, outside of that just a very yeah yes he did have an assist I completely forgot about because I, I kept seeing that goal and I kept missing who did the flick on. I'm pretty sure it was him. I would love to know, but I imagine you're probably right. Oh, I've looked at flash scores. Flash scores is completely wrong because I've just given it to De Cruz. Definitely got a, got a touch. <laughs> I think it was Iorfa. I think it was him. He sort of ran away celebrating and then caught up with Windass, who was also celebrating. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Well, tremendously well done. What a great game from him. Um so in the middle of the the pack this time we had we had Tom Lee's making his return. Tom Lee's, Tom Lee's, Tom Lee's, Tom Lee's. Um, seven point five for Tom Lee's. I think that's fair. He had one bad moment. He had one really good moment. So it kind of. I'm also wondering he might be disappointed himself for the missed header early on as well. Yeah, that was a bit of a stinker. Mm. Which weirdly, actually, I think we've seen, even though sometimes we're maybe a little bit questioning about the defensive prowess from headers from Tom Lee's. Um, I will say that at, at, like this season, uh, attacking header-wise, he's been pretty good. He's got a couple of notched a couple of goals. 
this season as Tom Lees. He competes brilliantly well in the opposition box for the ball. I, I think he doesn't get as many goals as he should. I think he gets on the end of things quite often, mm-hmm. uh, as we saw today. I mean, that's the sort of header that two or three players probably could have got a, a head, to, you know, got got their head to because QPR defended the ball in so badly. Um, it's just, unf- yes, yeah, it's, it's disappointing how rarely he hits the hits the mark with those those sort of efforts, unfortunately. But um, I thought he had a good game. It was, uh, he was a pretty sort of assured presence at the back there. I, I think he had possibly one of the more difficult jobs through the majority of the game because he was um, he was kind of marking their uh, marking. Um, Samuel on the on the whole, he seemed to be sort of man marking him, uh, and he actually did you know did the things you want him to do. Like when he was t- dragged out wide by Samuel, he made sure that he stopped him out there, uh, and uh, he did that two two or three times that I remember. So yeah, well done, Tom Lee's. Uh, hope the injury's not not a long term one. It, was, it would that would be a shame. Um, with looking a bit thin at the back, uh, I don't I didn't see enough of Shaw to know. <laughs> That he would be a, a ready replacement for anybody at the at the, at the back, but the fact that yeah. we got Palmer out and potentially Lee's again, that would be that would put us in pretty dire straits back there. Um, mm-hmm. Berner, um, Berner's going to get an eight as well, yeah. as well as I offer. Um, especially I loved, um, you know, his getting forward and some of his passes were just excellent. You know. Um, slight clangor near the end, but eh, it's kind of minor. But anyway, the marauding Julian has had his wealth of meat and cheese for breakfast this morning. Um, so, yeah, everyone's favorite enthusiastic German German centre back, Julian Berner. Yeah. And I, I mean, remember, we've got to remember this is a guy that was dead a week ago, and I know played two times in a week for ninety minutes is a really impressive. <laughs> For somebody medically dead. The, um, I know the reanimation. <laughs> the reanimation of Julian Werner is uh, something fantastic. <laughs> I mean, the the leg was dead, and then the rest of it just followed. So yeah, as can happen. I, <clears throat> I, interestingly, I don't know that I put all the blame on Burner for that slip because I think I offer. He's expecting I offer to deal with it before it bounces. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is probably a reasonable thing to have expected, but you can only be in charge of what you do. You can't go around presuming things are going to happen. You've got to just manage your situation. So he should have done better, but I also think it was a bit of a combined effort <laughs> to to cause the the moment that needed uh, Wild Smith to come out and, and deal with it. Uh, Moses Adebayo, a player so lauded by me. Uh, I completely forgot that I did player ratings for 10 outfield players and the four substitutions and completely forgot Moses Adebajo. I'm going to give a seven. I thought he was fine. I, I don't remember. I don't remember anything great from him. I don't remember anything bad, but he was good. I mean, he was, he was there in the performance. Rich, <laughs> help me out with some artful, delicious, insightful, as uh, insightful um, memories of Moses Odebarcio from this game today. I I think it is slightly telling that you did forget that he was there. (laughs) But I have to say, for Odebarcio, that is maybe the best praise that you've been able to give any of his performances for quite some time. I mean, not being noticed when you are as, you know, we we called him Clangdarella, you know, uh, you've got to stay here and do the chores. You're not allowed anywhere near the ball. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, it, mm. <laughs> he, 
yeah, to, to not be noticed is actually a marked improvement on giving away penalties and doing stupid things. Um, and that does deserve some praise. He didn't... I thought he was... I thought he could put in a good shift. I think he was always there. He was a willing runner quite often, even towards the end, like Berners, uh, when he fell over, making that run at the end. Um, Odebajo was on the flank. He was ready for the ball. So, good, you know, a good showing for his... He's got, you know, he's got enough of a gas tank to keep going for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't think... I think like Wildsmith, I don't think we're over the worries and issues but today he was not stretched in any way and coped fine with it he showed that he's a competent enough footballer to play 90 minutes and not let everybody so I I think that's a marked improvement on where he's been Um, quite possibly his best performance since Christmas and Mm. uh, yeah happy to happy to to, you know happy, happy for him to keep filling in on that side although Obviously, Murphy is the preferred option. You know, one pop culture reference that I, I kind of think about a lot with uh, Moussa Debajo is the song by Travis Reoffender. I don't, I'm not familiar, you, unfortunately. You don't remember that. So it's basically kind of the lens of looking at someone who commits crimes, but essentially it's, it's uh, uh, a lover who disappoints you. Okay. So the, the the line in the chorus is, but I'm fooling myself, I'm fooling myself, because you say you love me and then you do it again. Uh, and I still think about Clangarella being a reoffender by Travis. <laughs> But I want, and this is so despite, it's been a real wrestle match with managing expectations and managing, and I don't know, I'd, I'd love to think maybe one day, um, I don't know if any of anyone connected with the club ever listens to this podcast, um, I'd be fooling myself if they'd think they would actually go and spend the time to listen to our drivel for a few hours. <laughs> Um, but I would also like to think if anyone listens to that and anyone listens to Connected with Moza de Baggio, that like we have, I have been trying, I have been the defender, I have been the defensive um, lawyer and the prosecuting lawyer in the case of Moza <laughs> de Baggio, really. I've done both. I've done both shifts, basically. Um, probably about <laughs> half the time each, I'd say, or maybe more in the prosecution now it feels. So I'm glad he did well today and I want to see more doing well but it's just worrying it's so worrying when he plays because something could something bad could could well happen and they usually do i think that's fair i think (laughs) we're we're both of the opinion that i don't understand people who who sort of to prove their point want our own players to play badly oh no I like days today, like today, when Odebajo plays ninety minutes and doesn't drop a clanger, doesn't causes any issues, and and puts in a shift like everybody else. I, I that's my dream. I want that more. Like the, my comments on the lineup. Like I would love mm. the improved wrong there. <laughs> Unfortunately, more often than not, when we see a team like that, we're not proved wrong. We. Yeah. You know your 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 initial reaction is right, and with Odebajo, all too often he's 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 made the mistake, he's dropped the clangor, he's been in the wrong position. You know, it's just the proof is in the pudding more often than not. But I don't bear him any ill will, and in fact, you know, having read the the sort of interviews and things like, that, he comes across as a very you know forthright and an interesting and you know a. a a likable young man. I, I, I would love him to be a great success. And who knows? Maybe he'll do a kind of Morgan Fox or a or a Adam mm. Buxton. Not Adam Buxton. Buckles. <laughs> yeah. Um, why am I blanking on his first name? Lewis Buxton. Lewis Buxton, not Adam Buxton. Not Doctor Buxton. I thought it was Adam funny because I don't. A lot of people say that about Lewis Buxton, but I don't remember 
I personally don't remember a time when he was terrible. I remember, t- I always remembered him being a certain level of dependable. Maybe sometimes not quite as good as other times, but I think we liked him when other people didn't like him. I think we were right. We were hipsters for for <laughs> Captain Bucky. I think we were on the Bucky bandwagon when it was just getting its wheels fitted. The Bucky bandwagon sounds like one of those. Uh, it sounds like a, a maybe a common name that's used for those. Uh, do you have those pedal pubs in the UK? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bucky bandwagon. Bucky bandwagon. What are you doing for your birthday? We've we've hired a Bucky bandwagon. Got, <laughs> got some of my mates around. We're gonna we're gonna look like twats and. Uh, <laughs> Be G'd, be G'd up by someone we don't really like while drinking <laughs> and, and paddling. Um, but I, I um, okay, I've got a point to make. But I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna talk. I want to talk about Gary Monk after we do the player ratings. Okay. So, yeah. No, I'm happy to do that. Okay. Maybe we should give. We should give. We we'll we'll, we'll rate Monk as well. Um, let's move along, shall we, to young Alex Hunt. Oh, young Alex Hunt, the Apprentice. The Apprentice. <laughs> but I love to think it like the ball carrying Apprentice for for Bannon. He's like he's like the he's like the uh, the golf caddy for Bannon. Yeah, yeah. May I may I advise you, uh, Mister Mister Bannon, to uh, splay a Hollywood ball out to the wing. <laughs> may I may I recommend the nine iron for this one, sir? <laughs> Good stuff. He was he was excellent today. I mean, this is a seven point five. I'm gone for. Yeah. This was an excellent starting debut for him. Um, we we can probably get too excited about football players and you young players, but I genuinely want to say he should, and I'm pretty sure he will have a great career with Wednesday if he sticks around and keeps developing. Because I'm how old is he? I think I want to say 19, but I will. I mean, he he looks younger than anything ever. He's got know. a very cherubic sort of face on him, as young Alex on. Uh, yeah. It's taking forever to load 20 years old but only just 20 years old 20 years old only just yeah he's he's still incredibly young but i mean this is <clears throat> but also say for like a, a wednesday young talent this is one of the ones where um i mean i mean to, to talk about quickly mention a player like um Fizayu Deli Bashuro as I scroll back through my notes to remember what his name <laughs> is and how how to hopefully try and pronounce his name um hopefully respectfully and hopefully moderately accurately which PDB sorry um so but I mean t- to be fair, we have a lot of youth players, and we have a lot of youth players who are mentioned, who we mentioned promising things about. Um, but the thing I want to say about Alex Hunt is, let's be brutally honest here, about some of the ones like Liam Shaw, they don't look like they can have like a talent and an impact on the game that maybe a player like Alex Hunt will. Maybe yeah. that's been a great positive to say about... Um, OU Urahide, Azaza Urahide, <laughs> that you know he came in and had such a positive impact. But interesting that he was such a left field character. Alex Hunt is someone who we've heard a lot about over the past yeah. few years, and someone who's looked like he was the promised player to come in and have an impact to be a first team player. So that I want to say is really the difference between um, someone like FDB, if you're looking at um, this analogy from a Man City perspective, with <laughs> someone like Phil Foden, yeah. who just looks the absolute business. For, yes. for Man City. So that would be the comparison between Alex Hunt and maybe someone else like, I don't know, I think a name would be harsh, but maybe someone like Connor Grant, for example, 
just to say another youngster who we hear a fair bit about but maybe not quite at that point to kind of make the step up and the thing i want to say so without kind of reviewing the rest of the the midfield three but just to summarize that i want to see this as our starting three in midfield yeah more, more often than not i mean with kieran lee having a bit of a niggle now you know maybe we might see a little bit more of kieran lee before the season ends and then the long-term question of do we see more of Kieran Lee at Sheffield Wednesday in general, which uh, is still a little bit of a difficult one. Mm. I would probably say yes, but I'm realizing that maybe I'm being a little bit generous with that. I don't know. I'll, I'm really curious to see. I would love to know what Gary Monk thinks. I'd love to know what any, any managers think about the players and what their long-term plans are. But especially I'm interested in what Gary Monk would have to say about Kieran Lee, if he would ever be interviewed, never kind of admit that in a kind of process. So, but I mean, for the, definitely for next season, uh, bar any kind of big signings that kind of outclass this, I like Luongo Hunt and Bannon a lot in that, that midfield three. Yeah, I think I think there'll be days where the fact that none of them are a natch. Well, I think Luongo can play that role. I think there'll be days where Luongo has to play holding and have the discipline of that. Um, but maybe... Maybe that's the nice thing about them as a three is they are quite there's there's elements that are fairly interchangeable. I think that looking at the two players with just Hunt and Lee, maybe you've got to look at next season and say, okay, what like Kieran Lee, if we signed him, maybe he makes half the games. So potentially there's twenty three appearances for him. Would you rather in yeah. a team where we talk about not having an, enough of a plan going forward, would you rather have Alex Hunt take his place in the squad? And mm. so even if he's not a first team starter every game, he gets those 20, he, play, you know, he appears in half the games. I think you want to give that to a 20 year old rather than a kind of at some point he's <laughs> almost retired. some point he's going to just break yeah. 30 plus year old. I think looking at plan, managing your team, managing your squad, that just feels like a more sensible choice at the two. Mm. Ideally, you could just keep... I can see the benefit in keeping Lee around. He's been the bright spark in some games this, mm. since the restart. Um, but if it's a kind of either-or, this is my football manager, FIFA sort of mindset, take it. But I would want the young player with all the, you know, the, to use to borrow the American phrase, the upside, the potential upside of that. We know <laughs> what Kieran Lee is. We know what the ceiling is for Kieran Lee. Yeah. Um, we don't know what that is for Hunt. But the early signs are pretty promising. And if he can level out at something like he, the performance he put in today, we've got a very good player on our hands. Uh, and he did do a lot of helping out. I mean, it's the movement. It's making yourself available for your for your other mm-hmm. players and willing mm-hmm. to take the ball. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that little bit of thoughtfulness that either he's thought ahead of time where he wants to put it or... He's got a mind to what What else can I do with this? It doesn't just need to be move it on quickly and don't mess up. Mm. Uh, yeah, very promising. Really, um, some of his um, some of his quick, incisive passing was really good to see. Like you know, he kept the ball moving very artfully and purposely at times. Yes, it felt a little bit like it felt a little bit like Luongo in that aspect. Who again is not a terrible person to have as a kind of mentor type figure. I mean, he's got two very good examples of pretty excellent championship midfielders to, to play with alongside him. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're both, they're very different, but they're both, they've both had tremendous careers and been on the cusp of being much, maybe something more as well. I think Luongo 
has had times where he's been looked at by Premier League teams. Obviously, Bannon's had moments in the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, a, a good company for him to keep, definitely. Mm-hmm. And good good guys for him to emulate in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bannon was the middle of that three. We should move along <laughs> a little bit. Uh, have some propulsion to mat- to to matters. So, uh, how, how did you think Baz got on today? Bannon got it. Gets an eight as well. Very very good as usual. You know, does, he doesn't let us down. Uh, maybe there's one or two poor corners. If I'm being a little critical, but again, you know, the negative of having those poor corners is that he makes us tick and keeps everything moving forward with some great passes. Uh, that was an absolutely lovely assist for. For Jacob Murphy. And um, yeah, I mean, the funny thing with Bannon is I think sometimes we think that sometimes his performances should cap off, should be capped off with, you know, a, an assist or a goal. Um, he's done that today. Yeah. But I, I, we have had better Bannon, but we've definitely had worse. And it's still, again, a very, very good performance from Barry Bannon. He's also one of those guys that conversely, sometimes when he shines, the team's not he's having to do everything himself. Whereas today, which was a good full team performance, mm. he's a great participant and additive to that. But yeah, so some, I, I do sometimes think like the better O'Bannon performance, maybe the, the worst the team is doing as a whole, because he's having to kind of, you saw it with um, Eze today, you know, as the game wore on in the second half, he was almost playing as a, as a defender because he's just desperate to get, involved and get the ball moving get things happening but actually it, it hurts the team because he's not where he needs to be uh and and that can that can definitely happen with with bannon but to, yeah today was really good I, I it does suit him being the deeper out of the three it's just if we're pressed he's not a good good enough defender to be the one that's the steepest out of the three yeah so yeah that is a bit of a problem it's a dichotomy uh but yeah great game today great assist uh and again, speaking of legs and gas tank, he was, same as Odebacho, was breaking forward for that ball that Berner was going to play and really annoyed that he didn't get a pass from Berner uh, in the 90th minute after having played pretty much every minute of every game for us since we came back. So well done, Barry Bannon. Whatever you were doing in your back garden was uh, was tremendous. <laughs> uh, Massimo Luongo. Action Mass. All round, solid, great engine, great passing. He gets an eight. About everything we want. Yeah, yeah. And and also an almost assist for the first goal, which was a lovely shot as well. Lest lest we forget that. That was very close. Yeah, he really connected with that on his on his weaker foot. Mm. He was everywhere today, absolutely everywhere. And he's so I love just how sharp he is in the tackle. Very rarely gives away fouls, actually. But he's, you know you've been in tussle with him. Uh, yeah. yeah, great, great player. It's also nice to have a player that seems to like performing against his old <laughs> team. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point to bring up. Because <laughs> we, we seem to have had these, like, wallflower types that go hiding. Um, yeah, I'm happy with an eight for Luongo. I thought he was ace today. Kadeem Harris. I think this is the man of a match. I think it's an 8.5. I think I'm going to share the opinion of Mark Crossley that it's the man of a match. Um, just an incredible defensive performance. Just, just. I think if he had some juice going forward, and that's not a criticism, if he had some impact in going forward, I think it would have been... I think you would have looked at a nine and pushing yeah. it down. I'm going to be honest. I, that's, I said that's no damnation. I, I can't expect Kadeem Harris to be a world beater, but we can ask. We can <laughs> ask. But we can ask him to be. Yeah. Um, 
just just so much energy in the tank. Like he never looked like tiring today. No. Maybe the last minute or two, you know, he had a moment where, you know, you can just see you could probably just see a moment where he would just like take a second to just breathe and just give a real exacerbated, you know, exhale. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um but, wow. No, that was a really, really good before. And I'd never think of saying that like it would be such a brilliant defensive performance. But just a bit of everything, a little bit of everything everywhere, really. And probably a lot more of an understated performance. The, the interesting thing is I think we had like Adebajo being... I think both those wingbacks were both understated. Yeah. But we could really just see Kadeem Harris shining today. I think as well they're, they're a big part of... The whole point of that way that QPR play, well, Warburton teams play, is they're passing it around the back to till you effectively get bored. It's like the... Um, the tick attacker sort of thing you know at its at its worst the tick attacker idea was we just keep passing it around till you get bored of tracking us and then we'll pick out the hole that you leave and a performance like today's where you give them 70 percent of the ball 75 percent of the ball and come out with a victory that's all about shape and hard work and effort there's so much hustle goes into that so it is quiet because you're not making loads of runs you're not you're not moving the ball much yourself and that is all about them to tracking their men so when they get it to the striker he doesn't have an easy ball to play so he ends up going back to the midfield and they have to just keep cycling around again and that happened so many times even when they eventually found the guy they wanted between the lines for us they didn't have anywhere else to go and that's all the hard work of those wing backs so yeah great performance uh i think i agree i think harris probably takes man of the match uh but everybody everybody did their bit that it does performance like today's just doesn't work if uh if if somebody switches off yes um mr dakrush adc adc i'm interested in what you think about this i've gone for a seven um i'm gonna say maybe he's the worst player on the pitch but that's probably sounding harsher than it really is you know what i mean he was still decent you know um, this was much better, but you know, I'm wondering whether I'm seeing from the Cruz. This kind of feels the Cruz feels to me a little bit like Jacob Murphy at the beginning of the season. Maybe, maybe some of the things that I've said about Jacob Murphy in that it just looks a bit powder puff. I think he's really lacking confidence. I think. Yeah. I wonder how he'd be if he got a couple of goals under his belt because he's another one. <laughs> he doesn't really go hiding like he did a real job for the team today um and actually did all right a couple of times he's not got that confidence in front of goal he doesn't want to be the guy taking the shot but he played some good passes at times obviously his corners are good so there's some technique there uh but again his job uh, as he was trying to do midweek it's stretching the opposition it's keeping them honest at the back and i think he did that pretty well i, I think i'd probably be slightly more tempted to do 7.5 but it, it's a what uh, partly because yeah well he was he had such a heavy involvement in that uh, second goal um but he, it is frustrating. It is frustrating. It would be nice if he was like two or three percent better. It, I would mm. be I, similarly to Murphy. I think we'd be having a conversation about can we get him back next year? Is there a way? <laughs> yes, yes. So, but I mean, that's that's probably that's disappointing because I mean, we we think that like especially for the Cruz, who's had like such a short spell with the club, mm. everything he should be doing should be an advertisement to take you know to get a move here. 
if you believe us, this is where he needs to be. Maybe there's other stuff going on. Maybe he's a little bit homesick. Maybe there's some other stuff. Maybe there's some language issues. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I just think the real shame with the Cruz is that the fact that it's a similar thing like I'm mentioning with Jacob Murphy earlier. And um, I, I was taking a second to kind of be contemplative and you took over talking, which sorry. is fine. I'm not saying that you, sorry, apologize, Rich. I'm not saying that you said you interrupted, you certainly didn't do that for the thing I was wanting to say was about the previous, uh, the Murphy of yore was he was lacking a bit of bite and conviction. Uh, yes, yeah. Yeah, You know, there was a little bit of belief and a little bit of oomph that I, I think I was saying earlier on for Murphy, maybe times when he was maybe a little bit lacking in match sharpness, maybe he was lacking a bit in confidence, maybe something was going on that we don't know, to be generous, but he needed that little bit more like attitude of fuck you I'm going to get the ball, which I think I've also said that with Jordan Rhodes as well like I need we, we need we need players to attack the ball in a predatory fashion and Part of that is is a little bit before you hit the ball, right? Yes. Yeah. This feels. I, I really feel a little bit like it feels a bit. It feels a bit dated from my mentality. It feels a bit dated English person looking at. You know, when I'm talking about this, it feels a little bit like uh, you remember. Uh, there's a story about Brian Clough taking the, the Forest team at half time, and they were losing them behind, and he just had them in silence. And then he puts a ball in front of them and said, "Go get it!" And then right. they all go out, get g'd up, and like if my mentality feels like that, so I, I feel a little bit feel a little bit dated with saying this, but again. Again, I just need to see a bit more steel and aggression from him. Which is funny, because I mean, I, I think the hilarious thing about De Cruz coming in was like, we looked at him, one of the things was noted about his background was that he has a real knack of being a little bit dirty and picking up a few yellows and red. Just, yeah. Guitar. Wasn't and it something and like he had more cards than goals or something like that? It was. It was that, yes. That was his kind of... And I'm wondering whether... I don't know if there's something contextual about playing in Italy. Maybe there's uh, some people purposely kind of winding him up or getting under his... But it, it, it doesn't seem like he's that character here, which is interesting. He seems calmer. I mean, he did put, he picked up a red for Wednesday, I think, at one point. Ooh. There was one game we talked about him where I'm pretty sure he picked up a, uh, a red card. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Trying to see. No, he's only got a yellow for us. I thought he was sent off at one point. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. And, and interesting is not scored for Wednesday as well. I mean, he's got, he picked up with an assist, maybe two assists. You know, had a hand today. We forget that it was a beautiful corner as well. Maybe that was yeah. something harsher. Maybe I could put him to a 7.5. I'm going to do that. But again, it's. Um, I still feel like we're not seeing fully the player who he could be at his best. Yeah. I, do you know what? It reminds me a little bit of we had uh, Gabby Agbonlahor on loan. Mm. And he hit the post against Norwich in his first game. And I just always remember thinking, if that had gone in, I wonder... Because his next season, Agbonlahor went on to become a Premier League striker. Like, I think he scored against Man United and things. And he then spent 10 years kind of leading the line for, for Villa very effectively. And you do have those moments. You know, if you, got, if you get that goal on your debut... Maybe you have a purple patch and you do, you know, you you do amazing things. He, I think De Cruz really looks like a guy that needs a goal. I also just wonder what his best position is. The last couple of games he's been up front. I'm not sure he's a centre forward, but the fact that he can cross a ball is helpful. I don't know. 
I don't. It, he's twenty three, and it's probably a kind of this is your go hard or go home sort of moment in life. Maybe so, or, or maybe there's. It's just another litany of a player who he may for may sound damning, may sound crappy, but he may just be a journeyman player, and he may just kind of hop around places. He'll have a career, you know. He'll have moments. I, I'm just disappointed he's not had one or two few more moments with us for Wednesday. Yeah, but not everybody's that quick. And not many people who are as tall as him are that quick. So there's kind of mm-hmm. part of you would in America they'd find a sport for him. Do you know what I mean? There's certain yeah. athletes, like in America it's like oh you're this sort of an athlete we'll do something with you know we'll find a place for you. And yeah, I, I wonder where I just wonder if the Cruz just hasn't had that manager or coach who's who's sort of spotted the potential there and mold, given him you know molded him into something. He's a bit shapeless, a bit aimless, kind of drifting through things. Um, yeah, I, I share the kind of I've not been dis I've not been unhappy with what he's done, but I've been slightly disappointed. <laughs> we did have one uh, episode where you basically accused that he was never a footballer. Well, I still haven't seen huge amounts of things from him, but. <laughs> The fact he's good at corners is weird to me. Yeah, it is weird. He's a lot better than Bannon is at corners. Well, getting that he hits his corners with real weight and pace. So mm. that's technique. That's, um, I th- yeah, <laughs> I think if we were in a position where we could take gambles, I would like to see him have another year because I sort of, I suspect there's a bit of a player in there, but I still feel like I'm basing that on very, very little evidence. Mm. <laughs> It's like ninety-five percent not player, five percent player, and whether there's whether there's more to on earth. Anyway, let's move on to Trumpy Bomb. Trumpy <laughs> Bomb himself gets an eight. Um, in spite of himself, gets an eight. In spite of him, I know. I, I say if he could have finished more, it would have been a nine or a ten. Yeah, really. Like I, that's funny. So I just checking the Wednesday Twitter, and they've retweeted Josh Windass, who said should be walking away with the match ball. Absolutely, he should have. And yeah. he really should have. And it's just heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking for that to have that negative in talking about him today. Because I mean, outside of that, I, I what I've written here is he was just so full of himself in the best possible way. Yeah, yeah. Like the confidence and arrogance. To just be like, I'm going to have an absolute go at this this uh, QPR team today. It's QPR defense. Just rinse them on so many occasions with his pace. You know, we think about that chance where he was one-on-one with the keeper. Yeah. And maybe that was one of the few good moments from Joe Lumley today. I uh, think that was, was good goalkeeping, definitely. It yeah. was, because I think Windass did the right stuff. And I think nine times out of ten, he gets it around the keeper. And then he's just got the challenge of getting it, you know, getting a goal bound, which is usually pretty good. Um, but really good to see him back. And so he did he play midweek? Uh, that is a good old question you're asking that. Because I think this was one of the surprises of, you know, of the... I um, was really surprised to see him start. He, me too. He came me on. Too. He came on for the crush at the 70th minute. Right. Yes. And um, I think he maybe had a moment midweek as well. He did. He did. Yeah. I can't remember it distinctly, uh, but he... A lot of it is being a real... It's it's been very strange. But anyway, um, it was really good and there was more to come. We've seen that he is a player who seems to be... I'm really curious what happened at Wigan for him. Uh, I mean, just him in general with his career as well, but I'm, yeah. I'm sure why why it's been a bit good riddance from Wigan. 
and they've largely done so well, there must be something. I'm wondering if there's maybe something, you know, allegedly, allegedly on the dressing ground, the dressing ground, uh, the dressing room, the training ground, the training room, um, all four of those things. Um, Because I I just, I don't quite understand. And I think he's, he seems like he's rejuvenated here. Um, Maybe this is purely just... Maybe he's negative. It's maybe just his loan spell. Um, but he's looking really good, and he's looking a player of what we need. And he's got a bit of bite. He's got a bit of everything. He's had a few games where he's looked really, really good. Um, and I'm really hoping we see more to come from the rest of the season. It seems to be rumored that he's a player that we want. Um, we might be able to get him from Wigan. I think naturally we might be able to get from Wigan. There's also the confusing thing of what happens with Wigan now because yeah. they're in a very interesting situation. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing more. I'm glad he got himself on the score sheet, even if it was. I was worried for a second that he would have been offside. I'm pretty sure he was. Offside. There was a question, and yeah, he may well have been offside. Or it might just be great work from him to be so quick to get into that position after the flick on from who we think is. Offer. And maybe he was going wide from my offer anyway. Maybe he was going to hit the post. But maybe, yeah. anyway, <clears throat> he had the conviction to make it a point to, to score then. And I'm really happy for him. I don't um, know whether, yeah, looking at, I'm just, it would be interesting to know a little bit what sort of went on with him. But I don't know whether he, he just never quite did, in terms of goals, he never quite did for Wigan what he'd done at expect. Rangers previously. Mm. So I wonder if he just, he just didn't quite gel. But he, as you say, he looks like a guy that wants... He wants to stay, I think. He's playing like... Yeah. Unlike De Cruz, he's he's showing a kind of... I'm, this is my opportunity and I am grabbing it. I, and I also get the feeling, and I may... You know, this may age badly. <laughs> but I, I, I get the feeling he might be the sort of player that, a bit like Barry Bannon, kind of gets that Wednesday's a big club and buys into that and, and kind of drives him a bit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I can see him sort of taking a real pride in pulling on the shirt and... I guess there's an interesting thing is that we signed him and it was a little bit like when we signed him, we were a little bit like, "Eh, eh." Yeah. You know, at the time. So maybe this, maybe he's also seeing this as a great opportunity if he's not at Wigan, if he's not at Wednesday, then he's making a very much case of him being a championship footballer. Yes. Um, so it, it, it seemed like we had seen some stuff to make him, and I'm really glad we did sign him and he did come in. He's had a, he has largely for when he has played and when he's not been injured, he's had a very positive impact at the club. So maybe there's also a little bit about the time, the place, the situation, a lease of life again. You know, there must have been some disappointments from at Wigan. Um, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Okay. Let's uh, shall, let's whiz through let's the. Give, uh, let's give Wigan three hundred and seventy-five thousand pounds. We'll do a real Milan Mandaric bid. Get him in. Yeah. It'll be the next Chris O'Grady. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot to like about him. I think he looks like a classy player. He seems to have a knack at <laughs> today aside. His Wednesday career prior to this, a bit of a knack of just grabbing a goal, mm. which they're hard to come by for. So a guy that gets a guy that gets one in four with quite kind of you know kind of perfunctory regularity to it, it's not something to be sniffed at for us. Uh, I, yeah, I just get that feeling. You know, I, I was thinking I, I was getting kind of early Forestieri type vibes from him today because he sort of looked a bit unplayable. He should have done better with his chances. 
but he kept making them chances. Mm. Uh, and when he, I loved what he did at the byline when he cut that ball across the box. It was a shame that nobody was there, and um, even more of a shame that it, if somebody was going to be there, it would have been Hunt. I mean, if that had happened, that would have been incredible for him on his debut. But do you also remember he was one of the more positive players in the five nil capitulation away at Brentford as well? Yeah, yeah. So fingers, fingers crossed. We can, yeah, we can, uh, we can tie that deal up and and make it happen. I, mm-hmm. I just feel like it would be a good fit. I don't know what it is. I've just got that kind of. I think he gets it. Maybe because of his dad. I just think he gets the when it gets Wednesday in a way. Anyway. Right. Because I mean, I, I guess that's the interesting thing. Because uh, you know, for Dean Dean Windass, uh, you know, long scope and stint at Hull, kind yes. of outstanding cult hero status at Hull. I think he feels. Do you get that feeling a little bit of like how Ryan Lowe kind of felt for Wednesday? Yes. Like, you know, this is a big occasion and I am going to have, I've had a few clubs, I may have a few more, but this is, this is a bit of a spotlight moment. Yeah. I, th- I think Bullen, you know, that that's, I think that was why Bullen was so endearing to people is he kind of got what it was to be at Wednesday. He's had that journeyman's career mm. and Windass has had ups and downs. You know, he's been down in League Two, he's, pl- he's played with Rangers and got quite a lot of goals actually up there with Rangers, then made a bigger money move to to Wigan maybe it's not quite worked out but I think those players that have kind of had some ups and downs it's a different football in life to a guy that's a you know a kid that's just dropped from what yeah. players who don't seem to work at Wednesday are people like Bostock and um you know that ilk where it's like these 10 year olds plucked from obscurity and having money thrown at them when they were tiny yes yeah, and there's a, there's a feeling, of, there's probably a personal feeling for them of character that they failed, that they yes. failed on a bigger stage, so that this is, this doesn't feel like a, a big occasion, this feels like a step down for them. Yeah, yeah. So, and I guess it's interesting, uh, we, uh, we'll we come on to this, let's do... Um, Should we just do Murphy? Do I don't think the other... No, three... I... Okay, okay. Well... I think sure. I don't, <laughs> well, I think for all of them, I'm just going to say no one gets less than a seven. Yeah, so I think, that's uh, fair basically Sure, knew you and Joey P. Um, I'd like to actually go back and maybe watch a bit more of the game and see if I can see a bit more from Shaw because I'd, I'd like to know. Doing, yeah, I don't really remember him doing anything very much, but no. But that might also be a positive as well. Yes. Um, and also, a similar thing for Joey Pelopessi. Maybe one of his better games that he didn't do anything. <laughs> I thought that was a good swap actually because I thought I think Hunt was starting to look a bit tired. Sure. I think I think Pelopessi did what you want him to do. He came on and shored things up a little bit defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, G'd people up. You could just I don't know. I, I, I thought I think it was a good energy to en- introduce it into mm. the uh, into the game at that time because uh, he is enthusiastic. He's sort of got that puppy dog style to him, and I think kind of yeah, getting on and geeing everybody up a bit. Uh, when everyone started to have that lull, was was quite timely. Joey uh, Pelopuppy. <laughs> Joey Pelopuppy. Joey Pelopuppy Power is like Scrappy Doo. <laughs> he is. There are there are elements of Scrappy Doo about little Joey things. Gotta be said. <laughs> good stuff. Uh, New you as well. That was a good finish from the Harris out of the play. Let's give him a little yeah. bit. Of uh, I get the interesting thing I wanted to say was um, maybe this is more just talking randomly about New you. Do you find it interesting that so looking at QPR? Let's just kind of a quick QPR look. Um, so um, Jordan Hugel wasn't there. Jordan Hugel actually picked up a hamstring injury after he scored against Middlesbrough right. the other week. But isn't it interesting how we talk about, you know, you talked about it with Stockley midweek. Yeah. We really, really suffer when 
one of our championship rivals brings on the large battering ram powerhouse forward. And a lot of the times they absolutely fucking have their way with our defense. Um, Isn't it interesting that, unfortunately, I don't feel we've seen enough of that from New You anymore? Because I remember that being a thing for New You. I remember New You being a fawn in Derby side, being a fawn in Middlesbrough. He has a, as he has a fun time against Middlesbrough. Adi New You in is, general. Yeah. I, I, I what I would say is I wonder how much of that is consistency of delivery from the back because New You cannot move to the ball, and I think Fletcher allowed everybody to get pretty lazy with their, their with what they served further forward because Fletcher would move the whole width of the field and still compete for the ball whereas Atty just simply does not have that you need to put it within six feet of him and then he will wrestle his man and cause problems which I think is actually one of the interesting things I think that um, I think previously I asked I think uh, it's maybe last season I asked um, the intermittent Wednesday podcast Al's about stats I think I asked them a question about how effective New You was, and they said, well, actually, it was actually quite effective from headers, mm. which seemed incredible because it doesn't seem to match up with what you, you know, what the you actually are. Well. Yeah. Well, actually, I think we see as fans that I typically don't think that good in the air, as the stats can suggest. Anyway, I, I just thought it was interesting to bring up Yeah. Um, how other teams seem to do that to us. John Hugel also was the, the real catalyst for... A QPR winner way at Wednesday earlier on the season. Yeah. And that was the reverse, and this was definitely the reverse of that one. And we were really outplayed in that one, weren't we? Um, yeah, was... well, I think we should have definitely got something, but we absolutely got our pockets picked from yeah. QPR, thanks to Hugo absolutely mullering, our, um, mullering Tom Lees at the back. Enjoyably, they had a player called Gubbins on the bench. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. I've done a lot of teasing of the names QPR. I think last episode I uh, QPR I talked about Elias Chair. Oh, yes. Because he's... Uh, They've also got somebody called Betek. Brilliant. There's so much comedy material just taking a piss out of people's names. But their stadium name is good and shouldn't be questioned. Yes. Yes, as we found. Thank you to... Uh, Thank you to listener Boz who put that to, who made that correction for me. Anyway, I've got a file saved called the Luke getting cancelled version of that episode. <laughs> Still not yet cancelled. No, it's it's close. It's coming. It's close. Um, right. Well, okay. So we sort of haphazardly now given a rating to everybody apart from the one that really needed one, which was Jakob really Murphy. Jakob Murphy gets an eight. Yeah. Everything we needed from the bench. So good in that position. Such a grace. I think this is probably, this is uh, Gary Monk's substitution of the season, I want to say. It was so... Bringing Murphy on for ADC at that mark. It was basically turning, it was the spinal tap turning it up to 11. I was so pleased that he just went up top. I was worried we were going to like shuffle things around and I was just... I was so pleased and relieved that it was just like for like. And then mm-hmm. and then that was just that was before I even saw ha- quite how uh, good Murphy would was was at playing that position, that second striker just suited. Do you remember that incredibly incisive through ball for the Murphy one on one? That was uh, For the win- Winchester's from, one-on-one, yeah. That, that was, was one. That was that was from Murphy. That was that great. Was like, it was. What the, what the heck was that ball? It was incredible. It was. It was so sumptuous. And that's before he just winds up. He just uh, just kind of rolls his body out and just effortlessly kills it into the corner. It was like a delicious kind of bunker chip shop for a, a chip shop, a chip shop for a hole in one. 
Oh, it was something else. Bunker chip shop. Lovely. Nice, uh, <laughs> nice uh, sandy, sandy, sandy scallops. Sandy scallops, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, he was fantastic. Brilliant performance out position. What a finish! And a good a, those two subs, I think, were were vital. I think the other, the I think Shaw for Lee's was obviously kind of hand forced in terms of the the injury that Lee's picked up. But mm-hmm. the timing of those two subs, it kind of broke up their rhythm a little bit, which was good in terms of that. And then, but it also gave us the energy, the legs to kind of see out the game and and well, grab that third goal, which made everything much more comfortable and enjoyable from that point forward. Um, so, what you wanted to talk about, Gary Monk? So we should do that before we before we wrap things up. Yeah. Um, so I guess the interesting thing is there's been a lot of it was a very abject performance midweek. Um, we talk a lot about whether Gary Monk is quite the person to take us forward. I think there's still some questions. There's um, there's a difficulty in a four in a lot of Wednesday outside, um, four in a lot of Wednesday outsides, because, again, I feel like the question is, we're certainly a hell of a lot better than this, than this position and this form and some of the performances this season. Even with some players out of the picture, we still have a lot of players who really should be performing a hell of a lot better than they are. Um, the thing I'm positive I really want to say about Gary Monk is, I know this is a little bit of patter in the press, but I think it has to be said a lot about his character and his attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, I think it's interesting. You talk a lot about You've talked about previously. I, I love, Rich, how you brought up about, even when we've criticized Bannon, you said, I've never seen him go hiding. And... If we are to believe what we're being told, and I, I feel like I think it's very truthful, some of the stuff that Gary Monk is coming out with, I think he's a man with a lot of, of a very positive attitude yeah. and a man with a lot of belief in himself. So I don't think he's done from an attitude perspective. No. If there is something that comes around, I think there's still the question of, is he the right man to take us forward in the rebuild? I think that question is still very much there. Um, but I I don't besmirch him carrying on and being the man to have a go at that. I think it'd be very interesting to see, going off a couple of the signings we've made, uh, the loan signings, thinking about Trumpy Bomb. Yes. <laughs> you know, I think we're making positive gambles. That's a good point. I, I think I, I like, yeah, I like what you're saying about his character, and I think you're, I think you're spot on. He does front up more often than not, and seems to be a guy that's willing to kind of, you know, break a few home truths and things like that. But I, I was also reminded by the first half of this game. Actually, more often than not, that has been the experience with Monk this season. Is he's kind of nailed the game plan and. If we grab the first goal, we're a bit of a nightmare to play at times. Mm. But it's all about that first half performance. It's all about like we he seems to be less of a less good at reacting in the moment. The that's what seems to kind of catch him out. Mm. But the planning, the kind of I've looked at what you do, and particularly against teams that play like uh, QPR, if you're a team that has the audacity to oh you've got a keeper that can pass it, do you? We'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> so many of our good performances have been against those teams that have airs and graces that oh, we're, we're a bit like a championship version of Man City or Liverpool actually um, and we tend to do really well against them and because I don't know you know we're good at setting traps we're good at trigger you know obeying those kind of trigger points he could Warburton is a very experienced and has been a very successful manager and today Gary Monk thought him into a box 
He just didn't know mm-hmm. what hit him today. Mm-hmm. And we've seen some of those performances. I mean, you talked about Middlesbrough. It's where the, it, the, I think the tricky thing is, a bit like Lee Johnson, these runs of poor results have kind of dragged things down. But, I mean, he's been beset by all sorts of awful stuff this season. So, uh, yeah, I, it's easy after a win like today to, to think, let's, you know, I'd, I'd be interested to see what a season slightly less battered by waves of stuff completely out of his control what that looks like intriguing i mean i just felt on on wednesday my my feeling so counter to that was this is not as bad of a team as we are play- like we're getting worse results mm. than the squad deserves completely so that's it's so hard to have both those things because that today's team was worse than the team that started against Preston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, like I say, it's so weird. It's we have been very, very hard to second guess this term, <laughs> mm-hmm. for better or worse. But Which I don't maybe... think he's not the dressing room. I don't think he's. I think. I think team spirit seems to be good. I don't, it's, yeah, it's baffling. Sorry, gone. It off. is baffling. I mean, maybe this is just you know, maybe this is just testament to being you know, a remarkably inconsistent championship side. Mm. But I but it, it doesn't it doesn't feel right. It doesn't quite sit well with me. You know, I think we would have had less I think I feel like we should have had less inconsistency. Yeah. From- happened and i also feel that again it's that mentality that like i i completely agree with you with the whole thing that like it's not surprising that we can see the goal the thing that really surprises me is that when we do that the floodgates open and we just capitulate yeah yeah we just uh you know i think it's said maybe by jesus that you know if you do something put all of your heart into it and certainly if we capitulate a game we uh we commit to that we really do he was a he was a good manager. He had eleven of them on board. That twelfth guy, Judas. Couldn't rely on him at all. You need you need a better backup goalkeeper at number twelve, you don't do, you? You do. you do, yeah. <laughs> had a touch of the grabbelars about him. Um, <laughs> I I I do think I I suppose there's all there's always ups and downs in seasons. There's always injuries and things like that. I do wonder how many times, like like we sort of had happen with this new formation. It feels like we've had three or four versions of Monk has kind of pulled a new team, a new formation out of his backside almost. You know, just somehow come up with this. You know, we well we coined the term Monkenstein's monster. You know, he kind of cobbles all these bits together and make something that really produces above and beyond you know it's more than the sum of its parts Mm. and then there's an injury or somebody's suspended or you know that it's been there's always just been something that's broken it down and like this 352 has kind of survived a few bumps in the road now Uh, which is nice because i feel like previously we've had stuff where it's I feel there's been a mentality. I'm not sure if this was quite so much under Bullen, but it felt a bit like we're doing this. You know, it works. Okay, we're doing it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't work today. Okay, we'll just scrap that and do something else. Yeah. I, so I, I, it's good that we're sticking with something because I, I think that it helps the partnerships at the back to have three people there. I yeah. think the problem is we can't do two, we can't do a partnership of two. No, we don't have a, we don't have the players to do it, do we? No. So again, we're doing we're doing the same thing in midfield. We're doing in defence. It's like we can't have Bannon and Kieran Lee. They're they're not as good a pairing as they seem to be. Um, we can't have Bannon and Luongo. We can't have Bannon and Pelopesi. We can't have Bannon and uh, we can't have Lee. We can't have Lee and Pelopesi. There's so many awful yeah, yeah. Uh, singular combination. But we bring a third player. In into the mix and it 
it it just seems oddly genius for us. Yes. Because we, I think we talked a lot about, but I guess it, it kind of makes sense because again, you're looking at that, you're looking at that on the wings, and you also said the the four four two. You know, it never really worked for the partnership up front for the, no. the two strikers. It never, it doesn't work for the left back and, or sorry, right back, right wing, left back, left wing. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not, we don't seem to be doing a King and Worthington thing. No, um, it, it, they don't seem to work. So effectively, you basically said, well, just just give them double, just give them, um, just give them an overtime for for Murphy and Harris. And the hilarious thing today was um, Harris has got uh, so much in the tank. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, you know, got a, who is it? Was it Esso? Got, he's got a tiger in the tank. He's got a tiger in the tank. He's just got Excellent. a tiger in the tank. Uh, it's just so much energy and industry there that, yeah, 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 Harris can just do the work of two people. <laughs> you know, in fact, having a second person makes it worse for him, so it's better for him. And Murphy's been quite good in both aspects. There's some games yeah, Murphy's yeah. been quite good defensively, considering, and um, getting forward just the absolute, uh, you know, sometimes sometimes not so good, sometimes very, very good. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting that we've we've looked at these, you know, we've we've done away with the the um, the pairings of two, and it's worked so much better for us. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it does. It does mean that those guys on the wings have to do a lot, but they we're we're blessed with a couple of players, or three, well, it seems like a few players that have got the legs to do that. Um, I do, I I do think it works. What works well for Murphy and Harris is they carry such a threat going forward. Mm. So if you're trying to, you don't want to overcommit because they're both more than good enough to punish you if you give them space in behind. So yeah, it's uh. Another another very good iteration of, of a team from from this strange squad that he has to draw on. Uh, I th- I think I think as, I think he's probably done enough to 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 be given the job. Whether how I feel about that changes on on a regular basis, but I think he's going to get the chance to do this rebuild. Which I and think is the, I think previously we said that's some of the benefit of Wednesday being in such a kind of disarray is that it gives him the opportunity that he might not have had the opportunity to have if I we do were better it, run you know yeah i well, hope it's all positive as well as much as a positive it is for gary monk the points total since christmas is shockingly bad yes but before christmas he was also responsible for us getting up to third in the table so mm. <laughs> you know if you punish it if you kind of penalize him for the bad form since christmas you've also got to praise him for the good form before christmas uh, and there are, there have been some big factors that are nothing to do with him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> let's see. I mean, onwards and upwards. Let's uh, let's uh, let's end on a positive note. Mm-hmm. Really, uh, a really great performance today. And uh, if you've managed to make it to the end of this podcast, you have the stamina and staying power of a Kadeem Harris. <laughs> <laughs> so Indeed. well done to you. Well a pat done. on the back all round. Um, I'm going to say cheerio, Luke, before we get on to something fresh. Sounds good. Have a good week, folks, and uh, look after yourselves. Cheerio. Have a good week, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>